0: Free Talk Live, it's your show, and you can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Starting things out by going right to your phone calls about anything. We'll go across the pond first to the U.K., where Rory is on the line. Hello, Rory. You are on the air. Rory, what's on your mind tonight?
1: Well, what is the problem, American people's problem with British people?
0: What? I'm not sure what you mean by that.
1: Like, what is with the insult? Brush our teeth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Are, Are you seriously asking that question? Yeah. I guess that 's a reference a, a very rude i think that 's a very rude reference to the fact that you guys have uh, socialized dental care over in the United Kingdom, and that is kind of resulting in people not being able to get the the dental care that they need at the quality levels that a competitive marketplace would uh, would offer it in it 's my understanding there are a lot of uh, cues, sure. a lot of lines that people have to wait in in order to actually get seen by a a dentist if one is even available as far as getting a, a slot. And so a lot of people in the U.K. are are, are known for doing their own dental work, basically, uh, taking a pair of pliers and, and pulling out a an, an offending tooth, for instance. Uh, there's a lot of kind of home dental care that otherwise. I'm sorry. That's nuts. I've never seen the what do that
1: before.
0: You never seen it happen? Well, we've read articles about it. Maybe it doesn't happen as often as uh, as we might think it does, or maybe it happens more often than you believe it does. I I really don't know. What what's your uh experience in going to the dentist over there?
1: Well, my experience with going to a dentist is that I do not like them. They are very nasty people.
0: Okay. So, how do you get your dental care?
1: By going to the dentist?
0: But what's the process like? I mean, do you, do you have to wait for a while to get in? What to get? Walk me through. No, I just
1: I like walk through the door, talk to the receptionist, and then just walk upstairs, and he's here waiting for me. Now.
0: So you don't have to set an appointment. You can just walk right in. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds uh, sounds magical because I I can tell you that I've read stories about lines and queues. I mean, does that just not happen in your part of the country, or are, are you aware of such things going on at all in in the UK?
1: No, it's never happened. No, okay. Probably in England,
0: that is. Oh, how old are you, by the way? Know
1: what the English people are
2: like? Yeah, how old what are old you?
1: Um, well. you're sixteen. Sixteen.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, you're sixteen. Well, well, yeah, yeah you've, you've, uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe they treat kids better over there. Who knows how uh, how it all works? But we've heard uh, some awful stories. And uh, as far as the rest of the uh, the Americans feeling about uh, the people in the United Kingdom, everybody's an individual. So I, for one. I've got nothing against you guys. Um, you know, you you were not the uh, the, the redcoats. You're a different generation. You're completely different people, and you aren't oppressing us now. So I don't see what the uh, the problem should be. I think you you're fine, folks. Thank you for the call tonight. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So sixteen years old probably has had very little experience in going to the dentist uh, by himself. So I'm not sure exactly what the story is, but I know we have other people that are listening in the UK that perhaps may have a little more perspective. Maybe they've been around a little longer. Mm-hmm. And well, can... he also said that he doesn't go to the dentist. So his experience of going to the dentist isn't very
3: good if right. he doesn't go to the dentist. like It's you, it's like asking somebody who doesn't drive a car. Well, What's he your said that
0: car? he went there and he walked right in and they let him in. So whether he was telling the truth, I don't know. You know, what, I've, eight. what I've
2: noticed from talking with people from either Canada or Britain ...about their medical system is it seems like they they give preferential treatment to the younger
0: people. That's what I've heard. And they kind of throw the older people under the bus. Yep. That's definitely what I've heard out of Canada, and it would make sense that 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 happens in the U.K. as well. So, again, if you are in the uh, United Kingdom, you want to comment on the dental situation there, 800-259-9231. So what we learned from him was that the times he's been, he's found the, the staff to be very rude, which, of course, makes sense because it is a socialized system and so therefore uh they don't really have to care about you you know they don't even have to pretend to be nice to you because they're going to get they're going to get paid whether or not you're happy with what happened and you should be lucky to get medical medical care at all well, and uh, that, that same statement may apply here in the United States pretty soon. Uh, there's, of course, a story in the news today outlining Obama's medical care platform thing that they're looking at at pushing through. And, Mark, you look like you have something to say about it, but let's go to the phones and we'll come back to that topic. Uh, we'll go to Cooper in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live. Cooper. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, um,
4: I had an interesting uh, run-in with the cops here in Denver All right. uh, Yeah, a couple days ago. Do tell. Well, uh, I just got I just got back into town because obviously I live in I live in New Hampshire, so yes. Uh, just got back into town. I'm seeing my best friends, and uh, we parked in the the same spot we usually park, and we were kind of out in this park area for uh, and it was two o'clock in the morning or so. We come back to our car, and there are two police officers waiting for us
0: there. Oh boy! Now wait a minute. We're yeah. we talking about a government park.
4: Uh, no, this is a uh, a um, residential park. Oh, like, okay. owned by the the community.
0: Owned by yeah, but, the neighborhood association.
4: Yeah, the the neighborhood of Greenfield.
0: Got it. Okay. But go the ahead. The
4: cops like cops like to hang out there and, and bust people who don't stop at the stop sign and that kind of stuff.
0: Sure. So. Uh, and because we kids go to and, because cops know that kids go to parks to drink and get high and stuff like that.
4: Oh yeah, I'm sure they know that. Sure. <laughs> but uh, they um, so they were waiting there for us and, and they, they saw us coming down, so it was too late to stop and turn around. Mm-hmm. So we um, we got down there. They turned on the lights and drove right on up to us. And they we got out of the car and they demandedly they they started demanding IDs right away.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And I had, you got to keep in mind that I'm not in New Hampshire. I don't know what I can do in Colorado. What I can suppose what I can do in New Hampshire. And I don't have this huge activist network backing me up if I do decide to go do some civil disobedience. Yeah. So I had to give up my 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 my. my license and stuff like that so uh,
0: so you weren't sure as to whether or not what the their laws or their rules say about identifying oneself if one isn't in a car because it's i always thought it was generally there's there are laws that demand that a driver identify themselves upon demand of the police but that passengers typically don't have to and certainly if you're on the street it's just a contact uh they're just asking you questions they have no probable cause or any or anything like that right um that might have been a safe thing out here too What's that?
4: That's how it's always been out here. The culture, whenever the cop talks to you, he always asks for your ID, and people always give it to him out yeah. here.
0: Oh, yeah. That's, that so. tends to be where – that's, I think, where it's at for most people in most places. That's just how – that's the way they behave, and most people are trained to obey whatever it is the, the cops demand. So they're going to keep right. demanding more more things. So you handed it over.
4: Yes, I did. And they, uh, they, they, they were really uh, offensive about it, I and mean, they were uh, – uh, they were looking for something, looking for someone or something, and they said, "We're going to call the dogs out on you." <laughs> and just the entire time, they kept threatening us, and we, we all were kind of just looking at the ground. And they, I, I was looking them right in the eyes, and uh, they, they, he started asking me questions like, "Dude, I have a Fifth Amendment writing against self-incrimination." I just gave him a nice big smile and stared him right in the face the whole time he was talking to me, and uh, made it known that none of my friends would would talk or anything.
0: Oh, I good. Guess. So you kind of took the lead on that, if you will.
4: Right. That's and good. then he, he, he pulled one of my friends aside like to the back of the car while the other cop was talking to me, and he got, got him to say something. I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden the other cop is back on me, and he pulled me aside, and he said, all right, give me, give me it right now. Or I'm going to search you.
0: Give me it?
4: <laughs> I, I don't know I don't know what he was talking about. It was I have it. no idea. Well,
0: that, that, what he's trying to do, it's an interesting tactic. Uh, the suggestion there is you have something. He's not even going to say what it is. Anybody who is very timid of the police will give it up, whatever it happens to be. So even though you don't even know what he's talking about, had you been a more timid individual who was more likely to do what the police said, you would have reached into your uh, pants pocket, and if you had a butt of marijuana, you'd have pulled it out and given it to him, or you'd have pulled out the... A, you know, a, a blade or something like that, and handed it over. So it's kind of just an open-ended question that, with his authoritarian demeanor, encourages people to just incriminate give up, whatever themselves. It is. Yeah, incriminate yeah. themselves.
4: Right. right. And I didn't have anything, so I I, I just played with him. I just <laughs> all right, dude. Bring it on. I got nothing to hide, but you can't do anything about it. And so he he uh, he told me to go. He's like, all right, that's it. Uh, go put your hands on the front of the car.
5: Oh, jeez. So I,
4: slow, I slowly walked over. I put my hands on the hood of the car. And then he pulled another one of my friends over, and they were talking to him, and I couldn't hear what they were saying. They went back in the darkness. And then all of a sudden, they, they came back, and they put my friend in the back of the car hmm. and closed the door. And then they, they were kind of talking to themselves for a little while. Another cop came up. Oh, this is like 2 o'clock in the morning, too.
0: Hey, and we're going to bring uh, you back here, Cooper. Hang on. we will come back with more of the story. 800-259-9231. Exercising one's rights in the presence of the police. It's not an easy thing to do. But, boy, can it be worthwhile. More on the way. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial the toll-free number brought to you by SACL CAI. The number is one 800 Two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 9231 That's 800-259-9231, and you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com.
3: Guns, protests, smoking bans, biker rallies, comic, convent- comic conventions, pork fest, homeschooling, mortgages, pirates, and of course... There's the puppet from outer space, thinktwicenews.com. They produce some great videos over there. Go check them out at thinktwicenews.com. They're uh, produced by Jason Osborne, the uh, principal uh, sponsor of uh, Free Talk Live. So I'd recommend you going over there and subscribing to their YouTube account.
0: Thinktwicenews.com. We continue with your calls. Uh, Cooper is on the line with us, normally in New Hampshire, but back visiting friends at uh, his original hometown uh, of Colorado or home state of uh, Colorado. And you and your friends were out and about in a park last night at about 2 a.m. As you were coming out of the park into the parking area, you encountered some police that were sitting there waiting for you. They flipped on the lights. They came out. They began harassing you. They split you up. They demanded to see your ID. You decided you assented and and gave over ID at that point. But when the cops said, hand it over, uh, you did not hand anything over. Well, as you said, you didn't have anything, so you decided to to, uh, to play with the situation a little bit. So go ahead and pick up the uh, the story, if you would.
4: Right. So he, he told me he was going to search me, so I put my hands on the car, took my friend aside, ended up putting my friend in the car, and then another cop came, and they were all talking. And then my they got my friend out of the car, came over to us, uh, and told us we were all free to go.
0: Hmm. Musical prisoners, huh? So did they actually search you?
4: They did not search me. They did not do anything at all. Interesting. The only thing I can think of is that they were bored and they needed to harass somebody.
0: Yeah, that's what they do. You know, um, they're big bullies, a lot
3: of them. The chances are very, very, very good that a 16-year-old is not an ACLU attorney. So yeah. they're
0: reasonably safe. That's who and they pick on. They pick on uh, young people and they pick on people that are uh, relatively of the kind of uh, not wealthy strata because they can't really afford attorneys and they certain they likely don't know their rights and so these are the types of things that uh, cops do on a regular basis. So good for you to to uh, you know for sticking up to your uh, for yourself to some extent. What do you feel like you could have done differently in hindsight?
4: In in hindsight I could have I could have not given him my ID in the first place. Um that that would have created a lot of animosity right off the, from the start, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's what I'm good at. So. Well, and you know, you say it'll
0: have... create animosity, and maybe that's true, but maybe it'll also let these guys know who they're dealing with. I mean, if you if you make a stand on your rights, then that kind of tells these these cops that are essentially predatory uh, in the way that they're behaving. That whoa, okay, this. You know, this is a puffer fish. I don't want to mess with this guy. Uh, you know, right. this is the porcupine here. We don't want to um, tread softly, basically, at so, that point. So it all depends on how rogue the cop is, I and think.
3: And also, there's there's, right. ways, there's ways to refuse to give your ID um, that are, uh, that are better, nice. better than others. Like you could say, um, officer, I know that uh, you've sworn an oath to the Constitution, and I know that you're here to protect the Constitution. The purpose, purpose of the Constitution is to protect my rights. So I have a question for you before I give you. Um, give you my ID is, do I have to give you my ID, sir? By what obligation? Right. right. Uh, well, you, you could say by They're what obligation. They're going to say yes. I, you have to, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, could, you, could you show me the law? Because like, I, I, I'm un- un- uh, under the, I'm uh, under uh, the uh, impression, and this is just my impression, that I don't have to show you an operator's permit. And if you use the terminology operator's permit, they they know you. They have an idea. You know what you're talking about. Unless I'm operating a vehicle. And right now, I'm not operating a vehicle. And you haven't seen me operate a vehicle. Also, I have no cons- I, like I don't think I have a
0: constitutional obligation to carry ID on me. Also, confidence is a big, a big player here as far as your interaction and, and how it goes with the police. If you come at them from yeah, a perspective is. of they're approaching you, if you come at them from the perspective of instead of being a timid, scared uh, young person, I'm not saying that's what you were doing at all, but just kind of putting this out there for for people that are listening. Uh, instead of being timid and frightened, coming at them from the perspective of, well, oh, good evening, officer. How can I be of assistance tonight? And kind of uh, act as though you're there to, to you know, to help them with. I'm sure, surely they're there investigating. You know, some sort of uh, criminal act. They're they're pulling you aside to maybe ask you some questions about a robbery that was done down the road. Surely that's the reason they're not just harassing kids. So you kind of come at them from the perspective of being a you know a good citizen out for the night and out enjoying yourself at nighttime, and that uh, you know you're you're willing to help, but you're also not willing to do anything that would violate your privacy or violate your rights. And when you start making a, a very strong stand like that, while at the same time offering to be you know, uh, of assistance, uh, then that kind of is a, a, a an interesting position to come from and will change, I think, the entirety of the of the conversation. I had an encounter with the police uh, here in Keene. It was a few months back. We were out with some uh, Julia and I were out with some friends and it was late night. And we were walking, uh, d- you know, walking through one of the downtown neighborhoods and a cop uh, cop car rolls up, turns around, does a U-turn up at the front of the street, flips on the the spotlight. Pulls over, and two cops uh, get out they 've got the flashlights out there you know they uh, I was standing at the front of the pack of what was probably five people, and the cops got the flashlight out, and one guy had a, a water bottle that had water in it, but the cops obviously thought it might have been alcohol, and so they snatched the bottle away from uh, the 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 young man that that had the bottle and the the people that they were messing with first. That they were closest to. They hadn't seen me because I was kind of up at the front of the group. I had been walking in the front. Uh, the people that they were messing with first don't have, didn't have any experience in dealing with the cops and certainly didn't know what their rights were. But once I stepped up, I stepped forward basically and said, good evening, officers. We're just out enjoying our evening. You know how, how can I be of assistance? I don't remember exactly what my phraseology was, and I wish I'd been recording at the time. But just stepping forward and kind of taking charge of that situation, as you did, uh, it sounded like to some extent with your friends there. Stepping forward and taking charge lets these guys know that they're not playing ball with the usual victims that they're that they're used to dealing with, and it can make a big difference. And I think you probably saw right. that to some extent. You know, a lot right, of, them and pre- I
4: really wanted to. Uh... I really wanted to get out my camera because I had it in my pouch, and I've been recording all week. I really wanted to whip it out and and start recording with it, but I, I was I was fairly really sure that would have ended up in a baton to the head.
0: Well, because if that's the if attitude you definitely... got from the cops, I mean, you you're the you're the best one to to kind of sniff that out and and feel the uh, the tension of this of the situation. Yeah. Uh, Right. It's, it's hard to say. It's hard to sit back here and quarterback what you did. It sounds to me like you did whatever was right to get you out, and you got out of that situation without going to jail. So yeah. it sounds like yeah. a win. Once they have you in
2: their I sights, wonder... and you reach in your pouch, you know, that, for all you know, they could be pulling out a you could be pulling out a three eighty or something. That's true. So they may yeah. uh, pull their guns or their their uh, tasers. But you no, know, I bet the cops do make a lot of busts and arrests just in this type of situation where kids might have something with them, maybe that's marginally illegal. And because of the it uh, question, the it ended up making an arrest over a join yep. or something simple like
0: that. So any other thoughts right. for us tonight, Cooper?
4: Yes, I I wanted to uh to pimp Mike Barsky's pimp my activism. Ah, yes. Be- because uh I think that is a wonderful tool for getting people used to police encounters.
0: Yeah, it's something that's going on uh, only up here in New Hampshire. It's the activists uh, that are, that have had encounters with the police getting together with people that are interested in learning how to deal with things like that and kind of going through uh, b- basically role-playing situations where somebody acts like the cop and then somebody acts like the person in the car or whatever the situation is. And I think you can go to YouTube and search for Pint My Activism and you can find videos of it so that way people that are outside of New Hampshire can benefit from some of the uh, things that are happening here. Thanks, Cooper, for the call. Have fun out there. It's free talk live. More on the way. You take control of the airwaves.
6: FreeOzRadio.com. com. Kevin Rudd is a big fat hypocrite. Who, who's Kevin Rudd? You mean who's Kevin Rudd? Brookie, an Australian focused Liberty podcast. I don't know who Senator Conroy is, but
4: he's the Minister of Broadband.
6: Yeah, well, I just don't care about politicians. He's names in charge and whatever. of all
4: the censoring of the internet.
6: I don't really care who the
3: politician is. I just want, wanted to stop. I don't care who's doing it. Just stop. Is that what parents say?
6: They did. Yeah, exactly. FreeOzRadio.com
0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-C-A-I toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site, well, we give them to you. So enjoy those. Those other talk show hosts charge you for their sites. Ours is free at freetalklive.com. Features including the Shrine of Female Listeners. The dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us uh, their validated photos or videos to prove that they listen to the show. See what I mean? At shrine.freetalklive.com. And if you are a lady listener and would like to be added to the Shrine, you can get all the instructions at shrine.freetalklive.com. So we were talking with Cooper a moment ago from Colorado about his encounter with the police out there. And he was pretty intimidated by these guys. It was late night. Uh, It sounded like they were pretty scary dudes. That is, the police were. Um, And he was... He would have behaved differently had he been here in New Hampshire, and that's because here in New Hampshire, you've got liberty activists backing you up as far as if you want to do non-cooperation with the police or civil disobedience or just, you know, just trying to say no. I guess that's non-cooperation. Just saying no to a demand like give me your identification. Hey, I'm just walking down the street. That's just a contact when the police are when you're walking down the street and the police come up and ask you questions. They're just asking you questions, just like anybody else on the street. They need to have probable cause or reason. Is it reasonable suspicion, suspicion to detain and probable cause to arrest? Anyway, they need to have something more than just a fishing expedition to go on.
3: Right, and if they just if if they're just detaining you, that all they can do
0: is terry pat you. Yeah. Um, they can't uh, they can't search you unless you're being arrested. So uh, important questions to remember, and this doesn't just apply if you're in New Hampshire, but anytime the police come up to uh, to harass you. Is Am I free to go? Am I being detained? Uh, Am I free to go? It's always a good question to ask, just to, to ascertain exactly what the situation is. Yes, no, you're not free to go. Well, why is that? Can you well, explain? Are you am, also are you detaining me? If 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 you say, um, am I being detained? Um, am I free to go?
3: No. Am I being detained? Yes. Well, if I'm being detained, I'd like to record this for, uh, you know, for, for the purposes of giving to my attorney. Mm, yeah. And um, that's when Good you move. can reach for the the camera, which might it might be difficult to reach for the camera otherwise. Yeah. And, uh, you, if you th- announce it, what what officer would possibly not want a, an investigation recorded? Unless he's doing something, something wrong, wrong, in which case he may very well just extricate himself from the, the situation as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, cameras are, are, you know, they call it the new gun, but it, it's kind of like a bureaucrat repellent. <laughs> he handled it quite well, I thought, from his description of it, don't you yeah, think? Yeah, I think so. I, I think mean, that, uh, you know, to some extent I heard a little combativeness, and I don't want, I, I want people to stand up for their rights. I don't want them to get themselves any further in trouble by being combative, and yeah. it's hard to be 16, right, and have all that uh, testosterone flowing through one's mm-hmm. veins. Sure. And uh, be up against, well, people are, 18 though. Okay, whatever he is, is it's uh, even higher. Is at 18. 18 he, was, uh, he, was, he was 16 when I met him, so yeah. you know, he's gonna be forever stuck in that position for me. Um, and it's it's difficult when you're you know mind, meeting the people that are uh, you know perpetrating the drug war that are putting uh, that that are taking the Fourth Amendment and putting uh, you know throwing the dirt on top. It's of it. It's easy to be angry the at them. Yeah, it's easy it and not productive at all. But they want you to put the noose around your own neck
2: in that regard too. They want you to give yourself up out of intimidation. Hand it over, Wayne. Right, hand it over, exactly. What's it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> What's it? And, and that's the whole point, is that there are people up to no good, and sometimes you can trick them into, into giving themselves up. But in, in their case, he was smart for holding his ground, but doing it in an assertive way, but a non-combative way. And that's the important thing.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to help you with your investigation of whatever you're doing, officer, as long as it doesn't impede upon my privacy. So if there's something I can help you with as far as, you know, if you're looking for somebody, I can tell you if I've seen them, but I'm not going to tell you what my name is or where I live. Uh, So you can be friendly about your refusals. And I just wanted to point out that that situation would have been different for Cooper had he been here in New Hampshire. Odds are good if he was out with friends here in New Hampshire, they would probably have been liberty minded people because when you move here, there are people that are willing to be your friends right off the bat. Uh, we just had Cliff from Miami, actually, here visiting in Keene today, and he brought his uh, lady up uh, with him. I think it's his wife and their one-year-old daughter, and they're up from, uh, again, Miami, Florida, visiting. They were up in New York, and I drove o- drove over here and... They just announced it this morning. Like They called Pork 411, which is a, a phone service that the activists have set up that delivers phone messages out to all kinds of smartphones, hundreds of smartphones and email boxes around the state of New Hampshire. So we made a call to Pork 411 and got a couple calls back. Uh, we got together for lunch, and there were probably five activists that, that came out for that. as we are sitting, just to give you an idea of how small Keene really is, As we were sitting out on Main Street just having lunch at uh, the burrito place... During the 30, maybe 35, 40 minutes that we were out there, three different activists walked. Just happened to be walking up on the street. They had no idea we were there. It wasn't announced that we were going to go to that particular location. It's just that if you're on the street long enough in uh, in Keene, New Hampshire, you're going to see people that you know. And there are so many activists here now, as probably a couple dozen of them at the very least, that you start seeing the activists all over the place too. Which is that's a pretty cool thing to to have happen. I, didn't happen down in Sarasota, I can tell you that. And they all have high testosterone. Oh, I don't know about that. There's more ladies moving here all the time, Wayne. So, Certainly are. so it's, a, it's, it's getting even more interesting as time goes on and more people uh, start to move here. So I jo- just want to invite you to go learn more about the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. Maybe you like the idea of standing up for yourself against the police, but you don't want to do it alone. Well, you're not alone if you're here in New Hampshire. 800-259-9231 is our number. Let's go to your calls. Frank is in New York, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank.
7: Ah, Good evening, gentlemen. Frank, what's on your mind? I just wanted to say that uh, listening to the uh, conversation with gentlemen in England, the United Mm -hmm. Kingdom regarding the dental service, you have to be very careful of the accounts you read in American media. You have to remember that there are hundreds of billions of dollars of profits that are made by doctors, pharmaceutical firms, and dentists, and they have an interest, their own vested special interest to keep the system this way, and I have to tell you, I can tell you stories of people in the United States pulling their teeth when they don't have the money to go to a dentist.
2: Right. Nobody's they saying with that insults. our system. And
7: we ration health care. If you don't have the money for the necessary operation, you don't get it. Let's be very honest. This notion that our system is the best—it's not.
5: Frank, no when one's you saying look at that. infant
7: mortality, we're down to the thirty number thirty-two <laughs> in the world right now, which no. is an abomination. Frank, Frank attention. nobody
2: is saying that we have the best in the world, and no one's saying we want to keep the current system. The current system is a cartelized, corporatized system. And you're I agree, correct. and you're correct. I agree, gentlemen. But a government system is not the answer either. You're just trading one group of looters for the other. System. What's that? I'm going to explain why. A single-payer system, uh, the government, if, if the government pays for it, 300 million people are paying for it. That's not a single-payer system.
7: Now, let me explain. If it's privately controlled, when the uh, amounts of premiums uh, – when the claim exceeds the amount of premiums coming into the system, those private providers – We'll go bankrupt, and then no one will have any health insurance. We've seen it in the past. We see it now, especially in the insurance industry. It's ridiculous.
2: You know what? First of all, you're under the impression that that insurance should cover oil changes and lubes. If you go into the doctor's office for uh, sniffles or something... Why does insurance cover that? In most, uh, if you get car insurance, it doesn't cover gasoline and and, and lubes and oil changes. It only covers when you get in a collision for catastrophic type events. That's what health insurance was originally for in this country. You have to go to a hospital or something. But the idea that everyone has to have insurance is missing the point because that's just the problem is that insurance and a few other big industries have basically muscled their way in between the doctor and the patient. They're stealing all the money. Government involvement is just, That's the, another, just another middleman. That's the government is empowering I'm those insurance companies. I'm not arguing with yeah. that. But
7: the point is, many doctors, if you don't have health insurance, they won't see you. Someone will give and you a if discount. If you're going with $100 or $120, that, that will not cover it. It's very interesting. All I want to say is this. We pay among the highest taxes in the world, this country. Yep. State, local, federal, property taxes, sales tax. And we get very little, if anything, in return. Now, the bankers get a lot. They can bankrupt the system, and they're getting $12.8 trillion within the last eight months, which is two years of GDP in this country, uh, considering that we've had tremendous financial losses over the last year and a half, and our GDP has been reduced. I'm with you on a lot of that, Frank. I I really am.
0: Frank, I'm really with you on a lot of that, and I thank you for the call tonight. It's yep. just that suggesting that the government-run health care system, a 100% government-run health care system, is going to be an improvement on what we have today is suggesting that the same people that are currently colluding with the insurance companies are somehow going to give you a better system if you give them 100% control. More on the way. You take control, and we'll talk about the health care plan that Barack Obama has here in a little <laughs> bit. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it is your show if you dial in toll-free and take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features and we give them away, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by learning how to promote Free Talk Live, just go to promote.freetalklive.com and you'll get a whole list of things you can do to help get this show into more ears around the world. That's promote.freetalklive.com as we go to your phone calls about anything. It's Corby in Florida. Corby, you're on Free Talk Live.
1: Hi, I just want to tell you about government bureaucracy at its finest. Um, this veterinarian in Florida, and actually in Ruskin, Florida, it's like a, I guess about 30 months south of Tampa, I just moved here so you might know the air better than me, Mark. But anyway. Um he opened a dog park and he realized a lot of his customers' dogs were overweight, so at his own expense. Well at first he runs for mayor actually and he became mayor but then he got a, some property, you know, allocated for some or in the newspaper he actually owns the land. And he for code enforcement he started getting fines because it was not wheelchair accessible. One of his actually one of his customers did the complaining but didn't come to him 'cause he would have you know but he ended up getting a volunteer to put in a concrete ramp and a handicap parking space. So one that of his
0: customers was the one that was complaining to the government about him not having a yes. wheelchair ramp, so instead of going to the owner of the business, they just went straight right. to the government and 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 to threaten this man? Well it wasn't a business,
1: it's a park. So it's just a park that was open. He did it at his own expense, you know, all, he bought a park. You okay, know, but you'd and, said he
0: was a veterinarian, so right. I guess Presumably this person would have known who business. he was, right? The person who complained right. would have known the owner.
1: Should have, but may or may have not. But okay. anyway, you know, thousands of people have visited this park. It's been open since two thousand and four. Well it turns out, you know, he ended up put in the ramp. That wasn't good enough. He had to have these site plans. So he paid six thousand dollars of his own money to an architect to get these you know, certified site plans done. <laughs> brought them to the government. They said no, that was not Good enough for him because he had to get six legislative bodies to approve them, and there's a $1,000-per-day fine retroactive since April when the complaint came Oh, my came gosh.
3: Him. On a, on a now, not-for-profit park, correct? mean, yeah. When you say right, park. This
1: is a non for profit park. This is just open. He did this as a, oh, you know, he wanted, it's like five acres of land, dogs can run off leash. And I've never been there, but I just heard on the radio this morning, and I found the article on the website. He just searched for Ruskin Dog Park temporarily closed. But, um, wow. you know, to me, that's just government, you know, the guy, people want to have a park, and, you know, people are complaining, and I'm sure they're going to have a fundraiser. If he ends up losing, it'll probably end up getting it opened, but that's just government gets involved, where if the customer had come to him, he even said he'd have gladly, whatever the person wanted, you know, he would have taken care of it. And You, you know, try to do something kind of,
0: nice, and the government right. has to get in the way and charge you thousands of dollars for all kinds of bureaucratic nonsense in order to allow you right. to just do something nice for people.
1: Right, that was his words exactly, actually. You so say he learned something about it. He thought He thought just being nice was just the way you were raised, and that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And according, you know, the government gets involved, and that wasn't good enough, you know, for wow. them. So that was just one of those some, you know, bring some attention to when the government gets involved in things. That's, you know, and then, like I can understand, they're trying to make look very accessible. Nobody wants to deny a parking space with accessibility to a person with disabilities, but yet, when the government gets involved and they start finding him for something that, you know, with our, the people even the comments on the web even say there is a handicapped parking space there now. What's the problem? Why don't they, instead of just resolving it, it's like, okay, case closed, customer's happy, let's move on. No, it's got to go through this hoops of, you know, six bodies have to approve it, that it meets <laughs> ADA standards, which to me is just, begun, you it's know. It's madness. I can see there was, you know, there's just, if it was a government building or something, but it's his own private thing, you know, they Amazing. don't have to go to this dog park if they don't want to, but that's just kind of, you know. Just
0: Thank you for that story tonight. Uh, any other thoughts?
1: Yeah, one quick comment. I wanted to take up your time. But you were listening this morning about uh, the or the heard podcast. I might be a day or two behind on them. But listening, but it was about the unemployment. It's actually done through FICA on your paycheck. You mentioned you know so the you noticed that eight per, eight and a quarter percent from everybody gets paid. That's what's going to the unemployment. It just comes out of that. And the very So last wait, what's going is, to
0: unemployment? I'm confused.
1: You talk about the comment of who you know who pay, well, what part of your paycheck pays for unemployment yeah. benefits. It's actually FICA. If you see F-I-C-A, FICA, it's like six and a quarter percent of your paycheck and their huh. employer matches the other six and a I don't remember percent.
0: seeing that. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen a paycheck and I don't recall well, seeing. Does everybody have every that taken
1: steps, out? So, yeah, that's just, and the, you know, anyway, but the very last comment is I actually worked for Vector Marketing also and the one thing cup? they do is they hire their customers. Like the company guy said today, he bought one at 50% off. My dad bought one. You know, You're people, talking about they knives. You're talking about direct sale
0: knives. Is, Go ahead.
1: Yeah, the unemployment section is a great way to find people. They're either desperate they need a job, like you said. Their parents, you know, you know, need to hire. You know, they feel sorry for them or they need knives. So just, a, just another way of finding customers through the unemployment section is what it is.
5: Interesting. And the very,
1: very last comment is <laughs> I actually heard this thing on Sean Hannity today. And one stand, there Palin, in the same week, made one comment in the same sentence. They said, "Limited government, strong defense." In the same sentence, they don't take a breath. Who between said that? that? And to me, that's just. You know, who was it that said that? Sean Hannity and Sarah Palin. In oh. the same week, I heard them both make the same statement. That's the new marketing slogan seems, for
2: the Republican Party.
0: Yeah. Seems like a right, it is, contradictory
1: that's there. amazing. In the, in the yes. same sentence, you can have strong defense You know, and With limited, limited government. government. What a
0: yes. joke. Thanks well, for the well, call, you dude. Have, you
2: yeah. can have strong defense if everybody's armed like Switzerland and you keep a defense decentralized. Good point, but that's not what they mean. No, they mean be a warmonger, pretend
3: to be for small government. Toll free number eight
0: hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one.
3: And I'd like to point out that half of the discretionary spending in the budget, and that's most of the money, mm. is uh, is is spent on the military.
0: Is that just the military currently, or does it also include pensions and things like that? And I probably, answer. probably, but it's Department of who Defense. <laughs> Toll free number eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We continue with your calls about what you want. It's Matt in Illinois on the Amp line. Hello, Matt.
8: Hey guys.
0: Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh,
8: Well, first off, I just wanted to say no good deed goes unpunished, Mm. as that last gentleman's story shows. Yep. And that's a saying that probably was made up by somebody who had to deal with government.
5: I think you're right about uh, that.
8: Yeah. Because in the free market, I don't think any good deed gets punished. If you're in the free market, you know, I'm just making a generalization, but it seems to me that... uh, when when you hear about things like uh, somebody wanting to make a, a park for everybody else, it's the government that comes in and ruins it. It's not free people acting freely.
0: Absolutely right. So what else was on your mind tonight?
8: Um, about uh, uh, health care. Um, Frank, when I was talking about health care, he has an attitude um, that I'd like to address. It's kind of this attitude of well, if you don't do this, if you don't control health care, then this will happen. People who can't afford it won't be able to go, uh, to get health care or something like that.
5: Mm-hmm.
8: And uh, my mother, back in the 50s, uh, my parents weren't, weren't weren't wealthy at all, and they had a large amount of kids. I come from a family of eight kids, wow. and when my mother... Um, when when she was younger and before they had all the kids, when they were just starting their family, uh, she she would be pregnant, and she would go to the doctor for uh, uh, pre- prenatal care and stuff like
5: that. Mm-hmm.
8: And they lived in a small town, and pretty much everybody knew everybody else. And the, the doctors knew the kind of uh, uh, financial situation she was involved in. And what they would do is often she'd go to, when, when she would go to the hospital a couple of times, uh, first off, she would stay for like a week after she had her babies. Uh, this was the first, uh, like, three children she had. And then they would charge her a total of
0: $50. For staying in the hospital for a week? About a week, yes. Wow. wow. They had
8: no insurance. Now it's
0: $50 for a bandage.
8: Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but they they knew. And they knew this beforehand, and then the doctor himself would charge her, or it would charge them an additional fifty dollars. That's what they could afford. Um, they so had, you're saying like, that they that uh, taking-
0: they were taken care of by people in the marketplace because they cared.
8: Because not only because they cared, but they also knew, uh, uh, you know, this is what this, these people can afford, and th- they didn't try to rip them off. They didn't. Uh, tried to put them in debt or in uh servitude forever mm-hmm. they understood that different people were were at different points in their lives making you know different amounts so so if, if my mother had say come uh, from a wealthier side of town and um you know maybe they knew her their their the parents had more money or maybe they uh there were a couple that was better established in the community, then the hospital was going to charge them more.
5: Yeah, Full right.
8: then they maybe for a week or, or uh, stay at the hospital. Would would have charged those people two hundred and fifty, three hundred dollars. I'm talking the 1950s, the early 1950s. Yeah,
5: yeah.
2: But you know, up, so in, up until the 60s, up until the 60s, when the government really got into healthcare more heavily, the average blue collar middle class person could afford to go in the hospital and have major surgery without even any discounts. It was just
0: more affordable back then. That was before they really started debasing the dollar in a major way too and making it more difficult for people to compete within that industry because competition would bring continue to bring prices down and innovate and offer new products and services but if it's too difficult to get involved in the business too difficult to introduce new products and services then a lot of new a lot of them just won't happen and that keeps prices high one of the factors at least thanks for the call matt more on the way at free talk live is Free Talk Live, your show. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll free 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line as we launch here into the second hour of the program. Tonight it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go right back into your phone calls about anything. It's Paul in California on the AMP line. Hello, Paul. Hey, hi, Ian. Hey, Paul. What's on... And Mark. Yes, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Uh,
10: yeah. Well, I just thought I'd, I kind of came up with an interesting idea. Uh, I heard that the, the, the day the city council had a uh, member of the public come in for the public comment hearing wearing a Ku Klux Klan robe and hood.
0: Oh, my. This was out in California? And,
10: yeah. And he refused to take it off. <laughs> while he was talking doing during the public comment. Now, what stymied their politicians was this was a black man. Really? So they sat there trying to figure out what the heck to do with this guy. They were talking to the attorney. They have an attorney sitting there at the bench. They were talking to him, asking, what can we do? What can we do? Uh, uh, you want to, Please take your hood off. No, I'm not going to take my hood off. <laughs>
0: What Finally, was his story? What, what was, was his story? Was he an actual KK a black KKK member kind of I,
10: I don't know. I don't know. Apparently this guy is not a not a stranger to the city council. Apparently he sued the city at uh, some point on some <laughs> other issue. Maybe um, he, he just wanted to make a team. point
0: because that's uh, yeah. that's pretty amusing. But but, but the, the funny part Hello? Yeah, you're here. Just maybe you yeah, wanted to make him yeah, feel sorry. awkward.
10: No, no, no. The funny part I'm getting to it here okay. is the fact that finally the council members couldn't figure out what to do, so they started walking out of the chamber. Mm. Okay, especially the especially the African American members of the council, so they lost quorum, and they said, "No, they solved the problem." So the the the, the remaining council members said, "Well, look, uh, public comment is over because the meeting is over. We no longer have a quorum." Right. So there it is. Here's our answer. We recruit a whole bunch of black guys to wear hoods and, and robes into the city council, and it keeps the council away from the chamber so they can't have a meeting. If they can't have a meeting. They can't oppress us. One,
0: one black guy in a KKK robe has shut down the city government. That's awesome there you for a go. moment. <laughs> this so, is a brilliant plan. So they never came back in that, that whole night, or did they wait for him to leave and then come back, or what happened?
10: I'm. Not, I, I don't have. I, it's kind of sketchy. I don't have all the information yet. But uh, hmm. I just thought this neat was story.
0: Yeah, that was great. Thanks for sharing. Anything else uh, tonight, Paul? No. I just keep up the good work, guys. Alrighty, sir. Thanks but, for the Paul, call. You, oh wait. Do you yes. think
3: that? Uh, do, you do you think? You have that, something? Yeah. Yes, Paul. I'm just wondering if uh, if I could wear colorful robes and a kufi cap, and you think that it would be <laughs> uh, anywhere near as uh, effective? <laughs> mm-hmm.
10: Yeah, but see, the problem is the reason why the council members walked lock, out was because they were. Deeply offended, you see, but the problem is if it was a white guy they'd have just have him arrested right but oh, a black guy he's untouchable it's perfect <laughs> nice. uh,
0: that's pretty brilliant thank you Paul I appreciate it 800-259-9231 it's a damn shame that they didn't stay there I would have loved to have seen the three minute session that that guy would have gotten because I think out there in, uh, at least in some places in California you get a full three minutes as a member of the public to go up and address the council about whatever you want so um, uh, what brings me to that uh, point is the Steve Rocco guy, this kind of nutty dude that is known out in California for going into city council meetings and just just berating them, just using the the three minutes to berate them and ramble and really just waste their time and and offend the council members. Uh, but this sounds like it would have been really quite the performance had he actually been able to get up and uh, and take the microphone. You know, he said something interesting. He said if
2: it had been a white guy, they would have arrested him. Now, is there a law in Connecticut or in California
3: that you can't walk into some place with a white robe on? No, I but I, I don't think that the... Uh, disorderly conduct? Likely the public sentiment, and you can get away with a lot of public sentiments on your side. The public sentiment would be, you know, we don't want to hear this guy talk. And uh, if they'd have drug him off and he'd give him any trouble, likely they would have arrested
2: what him. What if he didn't talk? What if he just walked in, a white guy walks in with a robe on, doesn't say anything, just walk... What, what law would, would they arrest him under? I
3: don't know.
0: Disorderly conduct. I mean, they could just what, say for he was wearing a white robe. They could say he was disrupting the proceedings. <laughs> well, <laughs> when in point of fact, it was actually the city councilors that disrupted the proceedings by getting out and getting up and walking out. But they don't care about that. No, it doesn't matter because uh,
3: the government seems to get away with anything uh, you know they, they want, and somehow it's blamed on the uh, the activist.
0: Toll free numbers 800 259 9231. I don't know if I'm ever going to get a, an excuse
3: to wear my Kufi cap, though. You actually have one? No. Oh, okay.
0: Let's go to, and are Kufis known for being racist? Kufis I don't are, know what a kufi is. A kufi is. Uh, I've seen the cap. There's,
3: there's a couple. Well, okay, then. Uh, but I don't really know. What they're they're they generally are. worn by, uh, you know, p- p- black people um, that are into the, like the sort like of an traditional African thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's either African or Muslim, depends on where you're at. Kind of, kind of blends.
0: So someone wearing a kufi cap is not necessarily, a, you know, Black Panther or somebody who hates others for their skin color. I don't think so okay, but someone who wears a KKK robe usually is someone who hates others for their skin they color. Could, so. could be a Halloween costume. Not maybe. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not, not exactly an equivalent situation. Let's talk to Prashant in New Jersey. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Prashant. Hi.
6: Uh, I wanted to uh, talk to you about you know, uh, the healthcare nationalized healthcare care plan. Okay, sure. And how about the earlier caller was uh, talking about uh, the pharmaceutical industry making millions of dollars, and that's why they don't want, you know, they want the current system. Uh, I got three points for anyone who thinks that you know uh, the prices should come down if the government takes over. Number one is, either uh, I mean the whole, the prices are high in offer for uh, private healthcare because all the pharmaceutical and healthcare companies are uh, some sort of having a cartel and they're keeping the prices artificially up.
5: Mm-hmm. If
6: that is the situation, then federal government should enter the market as a private player and they should not be a part of any cartel, and they should bring down the prices.
2: But they are. They are part of the cartel. They're the ones empowering the cartel to begin with.
6: No, no. I mean, this is the point against those who, who think that there is some sort of thing, and federal government can actually reduce the prices and make it more accessible to people. If that is true, then federal government, instead of nationalizing the health care, they should become just another entity like uh, federal healthcare. care uh... well that's actually exactly
0: what they're doing as i understand it that's uh, they're going to get in with this mandatory insurance program we can talk about the details here in a moment but they're going to mandate that all Americans have health insurance, and they're going to enter the market and offer a government-brand uh, health insurance program, which will undercut the rates because they can subsidize it well, of all of the companies. They're already,
3: already spending half of the health care dollars that are in you know, health care as, as we speak. That's true. And when they bring in this new system, they'll likely be uh, in control of 60%, 70% of the health care dollars. And
0: they'll slowly put the insurance companies they'll out of business. They'll
3: put caps. If you talk to any doctor, they'll tell you that Medicare or Medicaid... Uh, both put caps on the amount of money that can be uh, you know, mm-hmm. used for specific procedures. those caps are the lowest of any um, of any of the insurance companies so they 're going to use their near monopolistic status to set rates and what you 'll see is um, that currently the united currently uh, the way it is the United States is basically subsidizing the health care of every other country around the world as far as um, new development of uh, medical machinery and pharmaceuticals because the r& d has to be paid for for, and these other countries don't want to pay for it. They want to pay low rates, so the high rates are passed off to the American citizens because of the, all the other socialism around the world, and you, I mean, if we go socialist, then you're going to see R&D fall off dramatically, research and development.
2: Not only that, but I, I know a lot of people who claim that... Um many of the drugs that are developed today would not be developed in a real free market because there are already treatments in the natural realm that take care of that without side effects. Mm, but so, they're, not
0: at, they're not allowed to advertise those treatments.
2: That's right. And by law, only a drug can cure something. So they're at a disadvantage right there. So they, you kind of have to have a secret handshake to know what those things are to treat yourself And so many people, when they get cancer, they get sick, they're scared, it's a personal decision, they go to the doctor, the doctor or or the medical system railroads them into the official uh, um, treatment uh, protocol, which is not always a good one.
0: So, Prashant, were you actually proposing that, or just proposing that as a solution for, or just Uh, kind of as a a rebuttal tactic?
6: Actually, it was a rebuttal. Uh, I mean, I didn't realize that this is what exactly, uh, what the federal government is going to do. I thought that uh, the federal government finally intends to kick out everyone else out of the market and just have one single health insurance organization like NHS in the UK.
0: Thank you for the call, Prashant. Appreciate hearing from you. That's Uh, what will happen, by the way, ultimately. Eventually. Eventually. This is the first step on that road, and we will get to the details here. 800-259-9231. What have they got planned in the federal government for health care? We'll explain in moments and take your calls about whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll free eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The Sakel CAI toll-free line. It is Ian with you. And Wade. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. And they include the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com, get interactive. You can edit virtually anything you see there, Wiki. live. Dot com and Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. Audible has over 60,000 titles from which to choose. Every genre, Audible has it covered. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up today. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. So Prashant called in a few moments ago from New Jersey responding to... Frank, who had called last hour, talking about healthcare in America and how it is that it's, it's this is relatively highly regulated system where the government controls the majority of the dollars in the healthcare system. As Prashant pointed out, the the, the current situation is is basically a cartel situation where only a few people have access uh, – talking about the insurance companies specifically – only a few companies have access to provide insurance because they've been the ones who've jumped through the hoops. They've been established long enough that they they're essentially protected by the government – uh, protected from new competitors entering into the insurance marketplace and innovating and offering new uh, new products and, and services that the government just doesn't want to allow them to do because they're in control and they're essentially assisting their buddies in the insurance industry in, in protecting themselves. And Big Pharma, too. Well, and Prashant's suggestion was that, well, to, to prove that, uh, well, if the government was so concerned about the insurance companies in this cartel they should enter the marketplace and offer insurance at a lower rate and of course as you pointed out Wayne they're in they're they're already protecting the insurance company so there'd be no reason for the government to do that as far as from a market competitive kind of aspect plus the government can't compete in the marketplace because it just doesn't have the same um, response to market signals that, discipline, co- right. that companies do. They don't care about what's happening in the marketplace because they can just tax people to get their money in. Or they can so, print
2: it because they're broke now anyway. How are they going to afford that even if, they, if they're going to do it?
0: Right. So it's true that the government can enter the marketplace and offer insurance at a lower price, but it's not because they're good at competing or anything like that. It's because they'll take money from elsewhere to subsidize the insurance uh, prices to make sure that they're lower than their competition. It's not real competition. And the level of service will be lower, and you'll have rationing, which happens in every
2: country that has socialized medicine.
0: Well, and that's where this country seems to be going. uh, With most of the health care dollars already socialized, they're going to take the next big step on the path to 100% socialist medicine. And the AP reports on the story. House Democratic leaders uh, pledging to meet the president's goal of health care legislation before their August break. Are offering a $1.5 trillion plan, that's $1.5 trillion, that for the first time would make health care a right and a responsibility for all Americans. Left to pick up most of the tab were medical providers, employers, and the wealthy. According to one of the bureaucrats or politicians, we cannot allow this issue to be delayed. We cannot put it off again. We, quite frankly, cannot go home for a recess unless the House and Senate both pass bills to reform and restructure our health care system. They are dedicated. They are dedicated to bringing this about. In the Senate, Majority Leader said he wanted, to floor, he wanted floor debate to begin a week from Monday. Uh, so they're trying to move this through as quickly as possible uh, according to the story here, Obama said there's going to be a major debate, and don't be fooled by folks trying to scare you, saying we can't change the health care system. We have no choice but to change the health care system because right now it's broken for too many Americans, and that may be. I agree a with true that statement yes. completely. Yeah, yeah. The problem is that
3: and and I, I tend to agree with many of the things that politicians say. However, the thing that comes after what they say is the I've got a government solution. Yeah. And the fa- and, and the, the Reagan's uh, seven most dangerous words in the English language I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Barack Obama wants to help you. He's got hope and change in your future. All Chains. In- in your future.
0: Under the House Democrats' plan, the federal government would be responsible for ensuring that every person, regardless of income or the state of their health, has access to an affordable insurance plan. Individuals and employers would have new obligations to get coverage or face hefty penalties. The legislation calls for a 5.4% tax increase on individuals making more than $1 million per year, with a gradual tax beginning at 280000 for individuals. Employers who don't provide coverage would be hit with a penalty equal to eight percent of workers' wages, with an exemption for small businesses. Individuals who decline to offer affordable coverage would pay two point five percent of their incomes as a penalty. Uh, who decline an offer of affordable coverage? So if the so the federal government's going to say. You need to get covered by an existing insurance company, or you can take our insurance plan. But if you don't do either one of those two things, we're going to jack 2.5% from your paychecks as a penalty up to the average cost of a health insurance plan. Now, what happens if you don't get a paycheck? Because I don't. I don't know, Mark. I don't know if uh, I don't know how that's going Once to work. Once again,
3: the small business person really doesn't have to pay if they don't feel like
0: it. It does say there is an exemption exemption for small businesses as far as employers not providing coverage to their employees, but it doesn't say anything about the actual business owners and, and how that will play out, or the the, the the the
3: employees and whether or not they have to have. Um, insurance, I mean, really, think about <laughs> small businesses, the largest employer in the United States, are they really going to let employees of small businesses go uninsured no they 're going to they 're going to demand that they pay
0: they 're going to demand employees, that they,
3: not the businesses
0: right they 're going to approach everybody and basically give them the opportunity, if you will, to sign up for the government health care plan, and if they don 't then they'll pay out 2.5% of their incomes as a penalty. How they will leverage or levy that 2.5%, I'm not sure. Perhaps it'll be through the income tax system. Perhaps they will leverage the employers to take the 2.5% out, even though they don't have to do the full uh, the, the health care coverage thing. I don't know all of the details, but they're going to try to make this as widespread as possible.
2: So what about all the small business owners? And I know quite a few of them. They're just hanging out on by the skin of their teeth. And in some cases, they had to drop their own insurance to, to afford to stay in business. Mm-hmm. What,
0: how are they going to survive? Well, again, there is an exemption for small businesses. How small the business is, I don't know. There, I'm sure there's an employee cutoff cut where if you have below a certain number of employees, then there's, there's an exemption. But then you're, then they're targeting the individual employees, and that's not going to make it any easier for them anyway. Because a lot of people are talking about hanging on by the string. A lot of people are week-to-week paycheck folks that they get the paycheck in, they pay their bills, they buy their beer and their cigarettes and or whatever, their vices. And then they go on, they have no money until they get to their next paycheck. That's not going to be a very easy situation for them to deal with either. Uh, according to the story, they are talking about the bill is going to add up to $1.5 trillion over 10 years. Now, what happens when the government makes a prediction about money?
3: They're always, always
0: low. And it's usually by, by a factor of three percent. Right? Like three. A, factor. <laughs> a factor of three. Yeah. Uh, the liberal, uh, let's see, the three House committees will begin voting on the bill on Thursday. The 1,000-page bill is unlikely to attract uh, Republican backing and blah, blah, blah. So they're looking to push this through as uh, quickly as they possibly can, 1,000 pages. Surely you guys are going to pick up a copy and uh, familiarize yourself with all 1,000 pages. Sure, right? of course. You, I mean, you
3: know, you're you're everyone knows to. that our uh, representative republic here that we have is driven by uh, citizen participation. Obviously, every citizen um, is going, because, you know, citizens are well-educated and well-versed on the, uh, the laws that this government has. They're going to pick up a copy. <laughs> they're going to familiarize right. themselves with it, and, and, and they're going to know how their government's working.
0: Toll-free numbers is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. It's a dark, dark road that this, uh, this government is going down. And, well, it's to be expected, right? That's what government does. just gets bigger and more intrusive and more oppressive. What are you going to do about this anyway? Did you think about that one? What's your response going to be to their demands? Free Talk Live.
3: Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area. Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com.
0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. Ed Wade. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. If you uh, want to enjoy more Free Talk Live beyond what you're listening to right now, we've got a lot of archives in fact going back an entire year on the front page of the website you just click and download it's that simple at freetalklive.com as uh, we continue here to discuss a disturbing story because I think we pretty much wrapped up the healthcare thing I mean it's it's coming they're working on bringing this government mandatory insurance program down and uh, I just I guess the question for you is uh, dear listener what are you going to do about it right I mean, if you're working for a corporate job, they're going to take that 2.5% out of your paycheck if you decide to not opt in to the government health care system or purchase some sort of private insurance. So the money's going to come out if you're working for a corporation. If you're a small business owner, you may be a little bit better off, but we still don't know all the details. If you're working for a small business owner, they're probably still going to come after you. So how much non-cooperation are we going to see? Is this the time that some people are going to decide that it's time to say no to the government, to, to try to uh, withdraw one's consent from the federal government, to stop paying taxes altogether? Is this going to be your issue if you've been waiting for a good uh, good opportunity, a good excuse to pull out? Maybe the war wasn't good enough, uh, killing brown people around the world. Uh, you still feel like you, you have to fund that. Uh, is this going to be the line in the sand or is, where, where is the line in the sand for your support and funding of the federal government? How many more How many more socialist programs will they have to pass? How many more people will they have to kill around the world before you finally decide to withdraw your financial support, your voluntary financial support?
2: And how many more slick-talking politicians uh, of your party are you going to believe and let them mislead you, as, as this one has and the previous one did as well?
0: you know i've've I've got a really disturbing story here, uh, and I want to get to it, but it's kind of lengthy, so I want to hold it off to the uh, the third hour of the program. Let's talk about still some national level stuff here since we're talking about Obama. There was a soldier recently, Mark, and I believe you have this story a soldier who had made a stand on what seems to be kind of a silly point. Uh, He had basically said he doesn't believe that Obama can order him as a soldier to deploy to, I believe it was Afghanistan, because he wasn't born in the United States. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's
2: one of the constitutional requirements is that you're a natural-born citizen. Which means you're born in the United States by, uh, by U.S. two American citizens. In other words, both your parents are citizens.
0: I just think it's, it's a pretty lame thing, and obviously it's coming from somebody who would have been happy to probably follow that same command had it been given by George W. Bush. That's just my presumption here, just based on the, the, the reason. Because it would seem to be a much stronger reason to say that, well, I don't have to follow your order because it's unconstitutional. Not because you were born in some other country, allegedly, and there 's not really been any sort of proof to that, but uh, because the order is unconstitutional, because you haven 't declared war and i'm you know I swore an oath to this constitution here saying I would defend it from enemies foreign and domestic, and if you 're giving unconstitutional orders, that makes you one of the enemies and i 'm not going to hurt you, but i 'm not going to follow your orders. That would be a much more principled stand to take, I think, as far as saying no uh, to the the government 's demands as a soldier but Nonetheless, it's an interesting stand, so let's talk about it, Mark. you have the story? Yeah, I I absolutely do. It's uh, from
3: WorldNetDaily, WND.com. At least he's making a stand. Yeah. Bombshell. Orders revoked for um, soldier challenging Prez. A U.S. Army Reserve major from Florida scheduled to report for deployment to Afghanistan within days has had his military orders revoked after arguing he should not be required to serve under a president who has not proven his eligibility for office. His attorney,
0: Orly... But he t- was elected. What, it so was... wasn't that challenged originally back uh, when he was running for no, office? Did someone it really, take that to court? It, 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 it
2: really, uh, uh, yeah, Obama's actually spent over a million dollars defending himself against that in courts. Right.
3: Hmm. They yeah. just, they're just they not showing what I would consider to be a legitimate-looking birth c- certificate. Obama's... But the Federal
0: Elections Commission allowed him to run and win, so isn't that enough? I mean, how is it this guy is going to be able to challenge that decision? These people... Uh, he has, though. Okay. OK, I mean, like
3: he's challenged the decision and mm. apparently been successful bombshell. That's the, the first word in this article. Gotcha. So his attorney uh, confirmed to uh, World Net Daily, the military has rescinded his impending deployment orders. We won. We won before we even arrived, she said with mm. excitement. It means the military has nothing to show for Obama. It means that the military has directly responded by saying Obama is illegitimate and they cannot fight it. Therefore, they are revoking the order. She continued, uh, they just said, order revoked, no explanation, no reason, just revoked. A hearing on the question uh, raised by Major Stefan Frederick Cook, an engineer who told uh, World Daily he wants to serve his country in Afghanistan, was scheduled for uh, July the 16th at 9.30 a.m., as an officer in the uh, armed services of the United States it was it's my duty to gain clarification on any order um that may be illegal with that said if the president is found to be a natural born citizen he is not eligible um, is not found to be a natural born citizen he is not eligible to be commander in chief so why couldn't
0: uh what's his name the vice president just give the order he's not the commander in chief okay but if uh, if all right so what you're saying is the military rescinded the order so they didn't have to take this to court? That's correct. So basically by rescinding the order they've headed off any sort of court challenge here and but if there was a court challenge that was successful and let's say Obama was kicked out of office that would just mean Joe Biden would be in his place and sure. then would he follow Joe Biden's orders cuz he was born in Tennessee or wherever the hell he was so born? So he says he nonsense.
3: Well, it's not nonsense to you. It's just so, you, it's just so pathetic. It's, um, I understand what you're saying. You don't like the reasons. However, um, it's the Constitution of the United States of America, right? And we live in the United States of America. You I should... don't know about that. I live here in Keene, New Hampshire. Okay, well, you can decide to uh, ignore that, uh, that they're flying the flag the of the United States, States, States is here, a government. right in Keene. The United States is a government, not a landmass. Whatever. Um, the, the, the fact is that they, they have a controlling interest here, and... Uh, That's the Constitution, and if they're going to have a Constitution, they should play by the rules, right? Okay. If you're going to play a game, play by the rules. The rules are the president needs to be a natural born citizen. Mm -hmm, I -hmm. don't know what that means. That's supposed to be ferreted out by the judicial system. I'm not saying I like the judicial system, the the executive system, the legislative system. I'm not saying that I like the idea that uh, New Hampshire has uh, been co-opted by the United States of America because it was supposed to be a sovereign state that was giving a certain amount of its power over. And these things have been uh, changed throughout history. However, it's the constitution. They should stick by it. It seems like a very clear point and that's all I've got to say
0: on so that. So this issue. guy's saying that he wants to go to Afghanistan, but he's just he just can't do it because Obama wasn't born on the right plot of land, but put a man who he probably doesn't like as much uh, you know it seems to me that he doesn't like Obama, right? Otherwise he'd be following the orders regardless. In other words, you feel like this is more of a Republican versus Democrat stand. That's what it seems like sure. except it's it's right. just it's just it's just lame because he's saying he would go ahead and follow uh, the same orders if given by Joe Biden. so it's just the weakest uh, It's the weakest military protest I've ever heard of. It's not like the – I think it was Lieutenant Watada out in Hawaii that uh, during the Bush administration just on principle refused to follow the – what were unconstitutional orders. He said it was
3: an illegal war.
0: Yeah. It wasn't uh, declared, and I agree with him on that issue too. And it's kind of worked out for him. I was reading something about uh, his case recently. I, I don't think it's all quite completely resolved, but the military basically kind of backed down on him too. Oh, and by the
2: way, on the story you're reading, Mark, there's a follow-up now saying that the Department of Defense has compelled his employer to actually fire him. Hmm, interesting. His private employer. Oh, really? Yes, for this. So, so I guess they dropped the orders, not- but now they're 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 gonna <laughs> fire him from his job. In the private sector. So that's that then, right?
3: Yep. Uh, it's my understanding that the uh, that he also, um, if if we read a little farther, we'll probably find this out, but that uh, he's been discharged uh, from the military. Um, not, but, but He not, has. Yeah, he's been basically said, get out. Not, Interesting. It's not an honorable discharge.
0: Toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, one 800 259 9231, here is what I saw about Watada. Lieutenant Aaron Watada, this is from lewrockwell.com, Lawrence Vance. It says that when he publicly refused to fight in Iraq, the Army tried to court martial him, but it ended in a mistrial. Although a new court martial date was later set, rescheduled, and postponed, a federal judge ruled the Army could not prosecute Watada a second time because that would be double jeopardy. Federal appeals court judge recently allowed the Army to drop the appeal. He could still face charges of conduct unbecoming an officer for public statements he made against Bush in the war, but looks like he's in the clear as far as his uh, principled stand against going. It's Free Talk Live. We're coming up. Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll free, 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. It's 1 800 259 9231, and it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, Free Talk Live dot com and if you like the show and would like to help support Free Talk Live shop with us at Amazon dot dot com just enter Amazon through that link and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase whatever it is you need to buy brand new used dozens of categories items with descriptions and reviews from people that have actually used the items Amazon's a great place to shop but start your shopping at Amazon dot dot com so we can get a cut that's Amazon dot com so, Wayne, let's talk about uh, how a SWAT team got called out when somebody's grass was too tall.
2: Please explain. Yes, from Eyewitness News somewhere in Indianapolis. SWAT team called in over landscaping flap. A call to the city SWAT team was the final move against one property owner who let his grass grow higher than a foot. A scofflaw law. <laughs> a, scoff, a grass scofflaw with all the rain we've been having. Mm-hmm. Especially trained officers were called out to the 9,000 block of Harrison Run Drive as city crews tried to groom the unruly yard on the northeast side. Harrison Run is a neighborhood well cared for. At home after home in the subdivision near 71st and Fall Creek Road, neighbors tend to their yards. That's why one in particular stood out, or in this case, stood up.
0: (laughs) Why can't (laughs) you have a jungle yard? I don't understand.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about a foot and a half tall, says Luis Adios, neighbor. But the high grass produced more than just dandelions. Monday morning, it called out Metro SWAT team.
3: Oh, I thought they were gonna—they were—they were gonna make this claim that it the uh, rats, rats, snakes, tarantulas, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, flesh-eating, uh, you know, raptors, whatever.
2: Yeah, you could have all these little evil things in his yard. You mean? And, uh, yeah, that's what that. Harassment is always. Yeah, to harass well, neighbors.
0: I, I think it was Walter Block when we had him on as a guest that addressed that pretty effectively. He pointed out that. Maybe it wasn't him, but anyway, somebody has pointed out that if you do actually get a rat infestation as a result of having your grass being too high, then if the rats are bothering your neighbors, then that's a property rights trespass. Right. That's, a, that's an actionable case, I think, in that particular instance. But if there's no evidence of anything like that happening, then let the guy have his grass. So they called the SWAT team out. Why, Wayne? Well, what was the, the reason for that?
2: Well, evidently, they had sent somebody out to mow his lawn for him. And, and they're going to bill
0: you, by the way, when they do that stuff. When oh they, yes, they send the
3: city guys over to cut your lawn. They don't, and they don't bill like a regular lawn service does. No. They bill b- ten four times, or five as times as yeah. much.
0: Yeah, yeah, with all the
2: bureaucrats who kind of grab the money in between. So anyway, he showed up. A mowing crew showed up. A police say when the contractor Dominique Thompson climbed up on the riding mower, he noticed the homeowner pointing a shotgun directly at him. Wow, that's got to give, you know, be a kind of a scary situation. I was kind of shocked the man pulled a gun on me and, and I'm out there doing a job there were a lot there was a lot going on in my mind at that point said Thompson police said the man on the other side of the weapon was 32 year old Christopher rhymes he touched off a standoff that lasted three hours Wow they attempted to negotiate with him by audio means loudspeakers they tried to call him with no answer. Finally they made a limited penetration into the house they, they they heard him inside and subsequently he gave up. So well, I wonder what a limited penetration means.
0: Yeah, probably broke a window, put some uh, some sort of device in there, gas grenade or something like that, knock him out. Who knows? Make him come outside. But but it's interesting here because this is instructional, right? Because, uh, number one, it shows us that you don't actually own your property. Not that we didn't know that already. We know, but some people don't know that. They right. don't understand.
3: It, uh, I'd like to point out something else that it, it shows. It shows that the government is um, doesn't care about global warming. Because the idea is is that uh, plants consume carbon dioxide. There's too much carbon dioxide in the mm-hmm. air. This guy's simply trying to grow himself a larger lawn that's going to consume more carbon dioxide. Right. Uh, doing his little part for global
0: warming. And, and not spend the gasoline that it would take to cut the lawn, too. And, and, gas. and there's also there's a homeowners
2: association involved here, too. And and also they're, they're claiming he doesn't want to fit in with the rest of the neighborhoods. So they want everyone's lawns to look the same. So maybe even if you want to have sort of a 0 escape
0: lawn with with plants that were designed to do that, maybe they wouldn't allow allowed that. to. Well, yeah. Okay, so I didn't know it was a homeowners association. So therefore, he has violated some sort of perhaps. But perhaps, what's the city doing there? Via- yeah, I don't know. That's oh, that It may, it may, be, it. It may be that this isn't a
3: county uh, lawn mowing. Uh, you know, maybe it's not the county coming out to mow his lawn. Maybe it's just a contractor. It said it was a who contractor. Was
0: that, yeah, who was it that came out to mow the lawn, Wayne? Uh,
3: it was a private
2: contractor that who was called maybe from. Well, it says this. This I guess the city's uh, office of code enforcement responded hmm. to this as well so now they all I piled lived, on
3: i lived in a um a, a deed restricted community well it wasn't a deed restricted community it was uh you know they had code and it was zoning it had one point be to, been a deed restricted community those deeds had run out they were then co-opted by the town uh the county uh, the, excuse me yeah the, the county and the the old association rules were put in place as laws interesting so um, they had a homeowner's association. It was voluntary and cheap to be a member, however, you know. So this guy may not have volu- volunteered he in?
0: He wouldn't, We don't know what the details are here, so we're not going to get into it. But if he was, if he did choose to be in this homeowner's association and he did agree in advance to having certain specifications his yard should be kept up in, then all of the things that happened to him make sense. But if it was a city situation Uh, where he was just arbitrarily told by these bureaucrats, hey, you need to cut your lawn or else we're going to do it for you. Then they sent this guy out to cut the lawn. He's like, well, I'm just doing my job. Uh, well, your job is uh, is working for the city and, and trespassing. Uh, trespassing on people's property. So it's understandable why the man's reaction was the way it was, because well, Americans have been taught that they own property and that they have the right to defend their property. So and that's all the guy was was trying to do by. And, and I, I I don't agree with his tactics. I'm just saying I understand why he was doing that with the, with the shotgun and everything. But that led to, as we've said so many times on this show, violence begets violence. So if you try to fight the government with a shotgun, they call the SWAT team out, and there's a sniper up on the neighbor's roof before you know it, you're dead. Yeah, the, the government's really good at handling violence. So it's a, it's a perfect example of how uh, the government will respond to you getting violent to their workers. A, ho- a garden hose would have been better, probably. That's an interesting idea. It's and a nice and
3: midpoint. Or, I think that's a better idea. At the very least, the guy shouldn't have pointed the shotgun at the man. Um, he could have stood out there and been just as threatening by pointing the shotgun in the air and cocking
0: it. And, and it likely rear. would have brought the SWAT team out in yeah. that in that instance as well. So so you learn from this story that you don't own your property, that the government gets to decide how you will live and the, the way your yard will look. And if you don't obey, if your yard gets a little too unkempt by their decision, they'll send men... Uh, with lawnmowers out to cut it if you try to stop them they'll send men with guns out to put a stop to you and i wonder what he's been charged with now as a result of this i don't know if the uh, the story tells that but i don't imagine it's anything good
2: it says that he a misdemeanor misdemeanor charge was leveled against the owner and he got the grass cut well i think he's pretty
0: fortunate i mean just to get a, a misdemeanor charge out of that kind of menacing behavior yeah uh, I agree. I think he's pretty fortunate there. So what uh, what would uh, a good response be besides the water hose? That was a pretty creative one. What what would be some creative ways, some peaceful ways that one could respond to the again? We're presuming that the government uh, was the only involvement here and it wasn't a deed restriction thing. So what would be the, the uh, one of a, another peaceful way to respond to the aggression of the government people coming and trying to cut your lawn for you? Something to think about. I don't have anything off the top of my head, but if you've got an idea, lay down in front of the lawnmower. That would be a very uh, kind of peaceful, non-cooperation thing, and they're certainly not going to, to, uh, to cut over you. And that guy's not paid to do that kind of, that kind of work. You know, I see so. a lot of people
2: uh, plant wildflowers and different things in their yard now to eliminate or at least greatly reduce the amount of lawn they have to mow. And it looks actually pretty nice, and and it does save you a lot of work, and maybe you don't even need a power mower anymore. Maybe you can get one of those little reel mowers if you just have a little bit of grass left.
0: What if you went out with metal objects and just started tossing them out in front of the guy as he was uh, working in the yard? The rocks, put big rocks out in the yard. (laughs) Yeah, big rocks to really chunk up the blades of the the mower. Uh, They'd probably then charge you with some sort of destruction charge, and you'd have to pay the cost of replacing the mower or something like that. But nonetheless, just kind of wondering. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL C A I toll free line. Just another sad story about how you don't really actually own your property, and you'll do as they say. If you are going to do the laying down in front
3: of the the lawnmower <coughs> uh, situation, which would avoid the um you know the whatever damages you might get from. Him, you know, the guy hitting a rock, um, you would want to have somebody filming that. That's, Absolutely, that's the the very best uh, you know scenario. You don't want the, the guy to say, "Well, I just threw my threw him so, you know, whatever." At that point, it's it's his ter- word against yours, and your word isn't going to be very good when you're
0: dead. Good point. And bringing up the camera thing is something I didn't even think about. Just if you're all alone, you could at the very least come outside to uh, confront this guy and start asking all kinds of uh, questions. Say, what are you doing here? Who sent you here? Uh, Why are you doing this? This is my property. How dare, you know, who do you think you are? That kind of thing. It could be that he just starts up his mower, says, I can't hear you, and mows the lawn. It could very well. You know, you get to film that.
2: Your home is their castle.
0: But you still can get him while he's unloading the mower and that sort of thing. All right, the toll-free number is 800-259-9231. A very disturbing story coming up here in moments. And your calls, if you make them, about whatever you want at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, and this is Free Talk Live.
9: I had a great idea at work yesterday. So, I gathered my A-team to meet online, using WebEx. I passed the ball to Carol in Atlanta, and I created some killer graphics. Then, I passed the ball to
0: Taz in San Jose, because I write the code that makes their ideas work online. Then, I passed the ball to Logan in Cambridge. I'm kind of the keeper of cool. And, hey,
9: it was cool. So, now, my idea wasn't just an idea. It was our hot new product line. Created by our national development team. Spread across
3: three time zones.
9: And we couldn't have done it without passing the ball. Using WebEx, the only way to pass the ball online. Pass the ball. Get your ideas rolling. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radiographic and enter promo code 606 to get a free trial and a free retractable boy pet set. Remember that code, 606. Webex, from Cisco, dot com. Free headsets available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details.
0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything we launch into the third hour of the program. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. And that number is brought to you by SACL, CAI, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free. Enjoy them on us at freetalklive.com. Now, earlier in the show, we had somebody call in to tell us a story about a man who opened up a dog park. He's a veterinarian who bought a five-acre plot of land decided to just open it up to his customers or anybody else that wanted to come and, and bring their dogs to, to run loose. Right, uh, to do something, uh, you know, to pay it forward, to do something good for the community. Yeah, because people are nice like that. Some are. Um, you know, when you've got enough money, you've got to spend it on something, right? Well, you can't so. say people are nice because uh, the, there's a,
3: one of his customers turned him in. Well, that's true. And that's a person he uh, did some work for. Uh, who some people are nice
0: Should have like satif- satisfied that customer, and that customer decided
3: to report him.
0: I tend to believe that most people are good. Um, and so this man tried to do something good, and was rewarded for his good behavior and his good Samaritanness by having the government come in and start making all kinds of demands about a wheelchair ramp and this and that, and uh, you know site plans and a thousands wheelchair of ramp
3: on a On a park that doesn't generate any money at all, it's just a five acre plot of land that right. he that he that he got and maintains uh for his own purposes uh, not for his own purposes but, but for the purpose of allowing people to have dogs to run free and have fun and that's just sick
0: if you thought that story was bad as far as an example of what happens when you tried it how how government can turn somebody who was just trying to do a good deed completely on its head and make somebody absolutely regret trying to do what they thought was the right thing. If you thought that was bad, here's a story from injusticeinseattle.blogspot.com. Now, this is actually the person who runs the blog, as I understand it. Uh, Apparently, the new website is injusticeeverywhere.com. That's injusticeeverywhere.com. And I was written an email by one of our listeners that said, that we should have this guy on the show. But as I read the article, he has got apparently has some permanent brain damage from an incident we will describe here in moments. So I figured it would be best if we just read his words rather than uh, than do an interview because it's so well written. So I'll just get into it here. He says, I'm a 38-year-old gainfully employed information technology professional, an IT consultant with over 12 years of experience. I've been married to the same wonderful woman for 15 years and have three sons. Prior to the incident described below, I had no criminal record, and had never even been arrested before. On Sunday, November 5th of 2006, I went to a nearby venue to watch a few bands play and relax after having worked about 80 hours that week, authoring several technical white papers and performing network engineering tasks as part of my position as a senior consultant with a local technology company. Sounds like a respectable dude. Yep. About an hour or two after I arrived, I witnessed a one-sided fight unfold between two people I didn't know. The attacker appeared to punch the victim with, in retrospect, a strange downward striking punch to the neck-slash-shoulder area. The victim grabbed his assailant and they spun through the crowd before both of them fell to the floor. At this point, nobody stopped the struggle between the two. So I rushed over and started to try and separate them while they were still on the concrete floor. Again, Getting involved in a situation he had no idea what it was, but trying to do what he thought was the right thing, and that was to stop the conflict. Right. To pull these guys apart. Well, while I attempted to pull the victim off the attacker, the attacker slipped out from underneath his victim and fled through the crowd. Meanwhile, I continued to try and help the victim up, but I couldn't get a firm hold of him, and he wasn't responding. Just as I noticed a significant amount of blood underneath the victim, I was suddenly grabbed from behind and dragged backwards through the crowd toward the front door by security while I was being punched by several people. I was then pushed out of the front door and told to leave. Nobody else followed me out at this point, and the door was shut in front of me, even as I tried to tell them what had happened. I decided to just call it a night, so I started to walk toward my home, which wasn't too far away. A few seconds after I started walking, a friend of mine came out and asked if I was all right. I told him I was fine, but as we walked about halfway to the first intersection away from the venue, we heard shouts coming from behind us and turned to see several people rush out the door. People were pouring out of the doors. As they had gathered on the street, one person pointed at us us and shouted, Get him! The person who shouted grabbed the wooden placard in front of the door and raised it above his head as he started to run towards us with the rest of the large crowd following him. Now has got to be scary. Mob scene, yeah. yeah. Group think mob mentality is a very, very dangerous thing. Yeah, this is what the Founding
3: Fathers were uh, trying to avoid um, in the establishment of uh, you know some sort of small government in in this republic.
0: My friend yelled at me to run, but I was already winded from being dragged out of the venue and punched several times, so I told him to get out of there and turn to face the rushing mob of people. As my friend ran away, the person with the placard reached me, and he swung the wooden board at my head while still running forward. I was able to deflect the blow with my arm as he pulled back for another swing. I grabbed him in order to prevent him from hitting me again. However, at this point, the crowd had swirled all around me, and someone hit me from behind, which knocked me unconscious. Mm. According to witnesses that I talked to later, the attack on me continued as I was dragged across the street, repeatedly kicked and hit with various objects ranging from metal pipes to wooden boards over a period of several minutes. And that's brutal. I mean, a a minute-long fight is a long fight. Was this in America? Yes. This is in, I believe it's Washington. I am not sure. Yeah, Seattle. Injustice in Seattle. So he says uh, over a period of several minutes, they said that while I was being beaten, the security staff was encouraging the crowd to continue the attack by repeatedly shouting, kill him, kill him. Good Lord. All of the witnesses who saw the beating agreed it was the most brutal attack they had ever witnessed and that the people in the crowd were saying they were sure I was dead or critically injured as I laid there in the street. During the attack, I kept drifting in and out of consciousness, and I kept trying to shout that I didn't do anything wrong, but the attacks kept up without slowing down. I kept hearing fragments of shouts, some of which sounded like racial slurs, and kept getting hit from all directions. Finally, the attacks let up somewhat, and somebody nearby said, you can get up now, the police are here. But as I lifted my head slightly, a brutal kick slammed straight into the bridge of my nose and knocked me out again. Jeez. Again, I had to rely on what the witnesses told me had happened next. Several had told me that when the police arrived, the attack was still ongoing and the police didn't do anything to stop it right away. Instead, they started to ask people in the crowd what had happened as I was being beaten. The police didn't try to assess my condition when they finally stopped the attack. Instead, they immediately handcuffed me while I was lying unconscious on the street, and they lifted me up by the handcuffs and dragged me to a nearby police cruiser. Some witnesses say they saw the officers attempt to toss me into the back seat of the cruiser, but that they missed on the first try and instead rammed my head into the open car door. Mm. But they finally managed to push me into the back seat and on the second try locked me inside. At that point, they left me in the car and walked through the crowd to start taking statements from the same people who just finished beating me in the street. My recollections of the events that follow are somewhat hazy, but I, do re- but I do remember waking up on the floor of the cruiser as I was being driven away from the scene. I don't recall the officer reading me my rights, but I do remember him asking me why I stabbed that kid. I was confused, but I told him that I only tried to break up a fight. He replied, why would you do a thing like that? And I told him I was just trying to do what was right. During the ride, I kept drifting in and out of consciousness. I was having a lot of trouble breathing, and I was in a lot of pain. The next thing that I can remember somewhat clearly is laying down, face down, on the, ce- on the cement in what appeared to be a large garage with several police officers surrounding me, laughing and threatening that if I didn't get up quick, I was going to get some more. An anonymous source informed me that I was dragged out of the cruiser feet first, and my head bounced off the floorboard before I was Jeez. dropped to the ground in that precinct garage. I thought I heard my friend's voice begging me to get up as well. My hands were still cuffed behind me, and I could barely move. I tried to tell them that I was trying to get up, but they kept yelling at me and laughing, calling me turtle for some reason that I still can't figure out. I slowly struggled to get to my feet, but it was very difficult because I couldn't use my hands. I was very dizzy, and no one would help me. Turtles can't get up if they're rolled over. I see. When I finally got to my feet, they escorted me from the garage into the precinct, where they stood in front of a shelf and started to empty my pockets. I cooperated as best I could, and I never argued and didn't struggle against them at any point. I tried my best to be polite as they asked me questions, but it didn't matter. When they finished with me, they pushed me into a room with plexiglass walls, and I fell to the floor without being able to use my hands to stop my fall. All I could do is lay there on the dirty floor with my open wounds while I struggled to breathe. He's lucky to be alive. He is. And these police are just absolute, in an absolute embarrassment. I mean, there's no investigation that, uh, that went on here. It was just they presumed oh. that uh, he deserved that beating. They didn't stop uh, the beating from, uh, from occurring. Maybe that was because they were afraid of the, the mob. I don't know what it was. But they, they certainly uh, were sloppy and rude and dangerous and destructive. But that's not where the story ends. Now he's just getting into jail. There's more here. 800-259-9231. Protect and serve, right? This is what you pay taxes for, isn't it? This kind of service. 800-259-9231. We'll tell you the rest of the story here in moments, and you can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll free, 800 259 9231. It's the SACL CAI toll free line. Tonight it's Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, Free Talk Live. Dot com We are telling you a story from Injustice in Seattle, a blog that was started by a man who, well, experienced the so-called justice system firsthand in a very unpleasant fashion. Uh, his new website is InjusticeEverywhere.com, and apparently he is uh, currently being attacked by the IRS and really needs some help. So after you've if you've heard us finish this story and you want to go and help him out, uh, InjusticeEverywhere.com is is his new website. But just to recap. He was at a I guess uh, some sort of concert. He's a relatively respectable guy, working in the IT field, we had worked 80 hours that week, went to a concert and tried to break up a fight, what appeared to be a fight between two people. Pulled uh, one guy off, the one uh, the attacker in the fight ran away. Turned out that the attacker had stabbed the man that he was fighting with and so the guy uh, who was writing this article Discovers this as the guy the 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 victim starts bleeding out all over the place. The crowd in there turns their attention to him for whatever reason, believing that he was the one who stabbed this man. Well, Even he though, was close. He was nearby. Uh, often when uh, eyewitnesses are,
3: are are unreliable, it's unfortunate, but they are. Yeah. And then you know, so They're one guy drunk says, "That's the yep, guy who did it." drinking. Right. Yep. And, and, and that's the guy who did it. They start, you know, it, it just passes through the crowd very quickly. Right.
0: The attack pours out into the street. Uh, they beat him savagely, just a savage beating with uh, metal pipes, wooden boards kicking to the head, uh, kicking to all over the body. Certainly the police arrive. They don't do anything to break it up for a while. They just start asking people questions as the fight continues. He uh then finally the police do stop the fight. They slam him into the police car uh, as they are trying to load him in, slam his head into the police car, finally get him in there. And then they I guess they took him to the station. He'll get to jail here shortly. We'll continue uh his story. He's talking about how he was trying to be polite, and they pushed him into a, a room. He fell down because he still had his hands cuffed, and he's got open wounds, struggling to breathe. He realized his ribs were likely broken or badly bruised. Every, I can't imagine how they wouldn't be after Every that. breath was sharply painful, so I could only take quick, shallow breaths, he says. After several minutes had passed, the police officer finally came into the holding cell to take a picture of my face. I asked the officer to please call my wife and let her know where I was. And I asked him if he could please get someone to help me because I was having difficulties breathing. He told me he would do that, and he left. Now, a lot of times when you're in jail and the, uh, the, the CO, the corrections officer, says they'll do something for you, they may get around to it hours and hours later. Sometimes some of them are better than others, so they will actually go and do what they say. Sometimes they'll say they'll do something, and you'll never see that CO again, yeah. and they'll never do anything for you. So you never know what you're going to get. Later on, that same policeman came back and let some paramedics in to look at me. He also told me that he called my wife, and I thanked him for doing that. The paramedics started to examine me. They looked at my face and hissed through their teeth in a way which told me I didn't look good. They told, they said I would need stitches, and my nose looked broken. But as they started to check my breathing, a second officer came in the room and told them, You're done. The paramedics looked at each other and said, Okay. Then they packed everything back up, and on the way out, they told that officer, Well, he's not cardiac yet, but... And at that point, the door was shut, and I couldn't hear anything else. It was a very frightening experience, because I don't know what the but was, if there was something else wrong with me, and I never found out what else they told him. About a minute or so later, that same officer who stopped the paramedics from examining me came back into the cell, and took me into another room with a second officer. He then took off my handcuffs and ordered me to strip. I complied, even though it was difficult to do, and as I was taking off my clothes, he told another officer who was there to leave and get something. At this point, I was left alone with that one officer, which was a violation, apparently, of their policies, Seattle PD's policies regarding strip searches. Uh, After I took all my clothes off and put them in the bag, the officer started asking me questions, again, without reading me any rights. Since I was still naked and pretty dazed from the beating, I felt very vulnerable and I was afraid of what he would do to me if I didn't cooperate. He asked me, do you belong to any gangs? I replied that I did not. He then asked me, do you have any tattoos? I replied that I did and pointed to a tattoo on my shoulder. He didn't look at it or take any pictures of it, but he replied that means you're in a gang. <laughs> I started to protest, but he ignored me and asked if I knew that kid that was stabbed. I still wasn't sure about what had happened, so I'd asked the vi- I'd asked or I asked if the victim was really stabbed, and he said yes. The other officer came back and the questions stopped. They gave me a paper-like outfit to put on and told me to get dressed. I was then re-handcuffed and led back into the holding cell. Eventually, I was transported to the King County Jail in a windowless van along with my friend, who I hadn't realized had also been arrested. When we arrived, I was put in a holding cell for at least 30 minutes before they began to process me. After making me sign some forms, that's actually not too shabby, 30 minutes. It took them four hours uh, to process me when I was uh, put in jail. After making me sign some forms while I was still in that paper outfit, they made me put on the station, put on in the station, which was now wet and transparent from the rain. I was taken to a nurse who was stationed right next to the front desk. The nurse had me sit down, and she began examining me as she first asked me if I had lost consciousness. I was still really dazed and confused because of the attack and because of the arrest, so I told her that I thought so, but wasn't sure, and that I didn't remember some things that had happened. But then she cut me off as she examined my face. She winced as she looked at my nose and told me it might be broken and that I definitely needed stitches. She started to clean the wound when she asked when the injuries uh, occurred. I started to answer her, but she looked up over my shoulder at someone behind me and told me that she was done. At that point, one of the policemen grabbed me from behind and led me away before she had even finished examining me, let alone even started to treat any of my injuries. The processing continued for at least another hour or so, during which I was fingerprinted, photographed, and given a bracelet that had all my information on it. I was finally given a red jail uniform to put on. It took a while because of my injuries and because the paper outfit had bonded with some of my wounds. Gosh. So I had to gently peel the outfit away from my cuts while I took it off. However, I was never given any footwear because the guards said they were out, even though the other prisoners all had slippers to wear. During that process, I was placed in and out of a holding cell that had about a dozen people inside and finally had a chance to call my wife. I didn't have long to talk, but I lied, and I told her I was okay, despite still being confused and worried about my injuries. I didn't want her to worry because she was pregnant at the time, and has a chronic pancreatic condition, that makes her sick when she's under stress. Mm. After being processed, I was taken to an overcrowded cell that held about 20 people at the time with only 18 actual bunks, so I had to sleep on a mattress on the damp floor. I still had open and untreated wounds on my face, knees, head, arms, and side. I was just too hurt and tired to care. I just passed out until the morning. And it's easy for these just interrupt here. It's easy for these uh, some of these government bureaucrats to just, you know, not care about this guy because, well, he's a criminal, right? Yeah. I mean, he was he was involved in a stabbing, allegedly, even though nothing has been proven yet. He hasn't been found guilty in any way, shape or form. But there he is. He's in jail. He must be a bad guy. He's got uh, wounds on him. So uh, who cares? Just let him rot there in that cell with those 20 other people. After being processed, uh, he says, or oh, the next day I was able to get an open bunk along the wall since the other prisoners were worried that I had all those open and uncovered wounds. They told me that the jail was known for deadly MRSA infections. Oh, God. Which really, frightened, yeah, which really frightened me since my injuries were still open and untreated. This is the next day, by the way. I was still in quite a bit of pain, was still having difficulties breathing, and could barely keep my balance when walking. But I was also very confused about what was happening and had difficulty thinking straight because... As it turned out later, I'd suffered a traumatic brain injury during the attack that left me with permanent brain damage. Seems pretty articulate for a guy with uh, brain damage. Well, he's writing here. He's yeah. not speaking. He has, uh, could be,
3: yeah, you, know, you never know what part of the brain it is.
0: Right, so uh, he's got more here uh, to the story, and it is just absolutely outrageous. 800-259-9231, that's what the system does. It doesn't care about you if it's targeting you. You can bring up anything, even if it's targeting you inappropriately. It's Free Talk Live. This is your show.
7: They say we're hated for our freedoms. Their solution? Take away our freedoms. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. They spend both your lives and your money with reckless abandon. We're out of money now. We're operating
10: uh, in deep deficits.
7: One organization dares to dream of a world where nations compete for citizens instead of enslaving them. The Seasteading Institute is looking for pioneers to homestead the high seas and take civilization to the next level. Join the revolution at Seasteading.com.
0: This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever you want, toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the single CAI Toll Free Line. And tonight it's Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. We invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features on the site, including the Facebook page. You can become a fan over at facebook.freetalklive.com. All you have to do is go to that link. That's facebook.freetalklive.com and click the Become a Fan option. I've been taking a
3: new vitamin. It's uh, called Choose for Health's
0: Super Fruit Complex.
3: It's not like the vitamins that you might uh, find at the the big box stores. This one's it's chewable, and it contains uh, goji, mangosteen, acai, and nani fruit. These uh, four super fruits contained in uh, Choose for Health are considered by many experts to be the most nutrient-rich fruits in the world, and berries are a great source of antioxidants that eliminate free radicals. And you can... To try this uh, vitamin out by going to orderchoose.com. That's orderchoose.com, and they have a, a toll-free number, one eight hundred two one seven five nine seven seven. 217 5977 It's 1-800-217-5977, choose for health, orderchoose.com.
0: So we've been telling a very disturbing story here about how it is that a man who did what he thought was the right thing, he broke up a fight in the midst of a, a busy bar. He broke up this fight, discovered that the person that he was rescuing had been stabbed, And uh, as the rest of the bar discovered that there was a stabbing that happened, they targeted the man who broke up the fight, the Good Samaritan. They ran him out of the bar, into the street, beat the hell out of this guy. I mean, just a a vicious, vicious gang beating, essentially, uh, because they believed he was the, the, the criminal when in point of fact he wasn't. The cops come along, they treat him like absolute garbage just slamming his body around allowing his head to slam against the, the pavement into the side of the, the police car. They load him up, take him down to uh, the jail, strip him down, they bring in a paramedic, the paramedics get a chance to glance at the guy before the cops pull them out. The nurse comes in, the nurse gets a chance to, to look close enough to say he's going to need stitches, his nose might be broken, before she has a chance to begin treating his injuries, which are open wounds, uh, before she has the chance to treat him somebody orders her out of the room so this guy is not getting even the slightest bit of humanity i mean these uh, medical people are trying to to give him attention that's their job but the the correctional officers aren't allowing it to happen so it's just an absolutely inhumane story and it's disgusting from beginning to end and is an example of how these people are protecting and serving you this guy has to pay for his treatment. This man is paying either rent or property taxes as a property owner, and he's going to pay the salaries of the very people that ab- are abusing him in this particular case. And the story's not over yet. Now he's been put into a bunk. Uh, it's the next day. He's been put into, a, been processed, been put into a room with 20 people, only 18 bunks. The next day, he did get finally onto a bunk because the rest of the prisoners were concerned about MRSA infections. Well, they were concerned that he might get them. This is, I mean, th- this is pretty bad,
3: right? You're in a holding cell, and you're relying on the uh, the good graces of the, of the prisoners. The, of the prisoners. Uh, he can't get it from the officers, right. The the jailers. He can only get it from the convicts. That's... You know, that that it just goes to show what a miserable shape this guy was in.
0: Yeah, and it really tells you that uh, sometimes the convicts are better off than their their keepers. Uh, There are better people than their keepers are. And that's actually similar to what our friend Sam experienced is he received an outpouring of compassion from the people that were in the E block up in uh, Cheshire County Jail, which is the maximum security section. The people that were in there for violent crimes, he received compassion from those men. They were giving him things like uh, carnation uh, breakfast when he was on his hunger strike. They were giving him pens, and a pencil and paper, and even stamps and envelopes so he could write and get his message out. I mean, that's real compassion being shown by what were violent criminals at one point, whereas the COs were just, some of them were okay, some of them were rude and and mean. I'm going to consider myself, at least in
3: this room, to be the expert on correctional officers, and I can tell you that I certainly met Many of them that were compassionate. However, you spent nine years in prison. I did, and uh, I I would say that I've some of the some of the meanest, most evil men I've ever met in my life were also correctional officers. Mm -hmm. And sadly, um, the higher you went up the ranks, and this this certainly didn't hold true entirely, but the higher you went up the ranks, it seemed like some of the more evil men uh, were. You know, had their positions.
0: So we continue the story. He says uh, he found out later that he had brain uh, traumatic brain injury during the attack, uh, permanent brain damage. So it was difficult to even get out of my bunk on the first day. When I tried to get medical treatment, but was denied. I couldn't breathe well because my ribs hurt so badly, probably broken, and because I had blood clots in both of my nostrils. So I could only take short, shallow breaths through my mouth the whole time. I couldn't sleep after the first day either because the pain was so bad. How bad. When I tried to lie on one side, it would hurt my ribs, and any other way I tried to lay, it would cause excruciating pain in my head. I ended up not being able to sleep for several nights, and then I would suddenly wake with spasms or convulsions. The next day, I was denied medical attention again, and the guards kept ignoring my request to be seen by a doctor when I told them I was in a lot of pain and worried about my wounds becoming infected. I also found out that I wasn't able to eat, and even the smell of food made me nauseous. I suspect this was because of my concussion as well. It would be days before I was able to eat again, and even though I had even then I had lost over 30 pounds in the course of just 2 weeks. On the third day I was finally taken to court where my wife and several other witnesses saw that my facial 15 pounds a week that's an said. incredible loss of weight. Says uh, they were. They saw my facial injuries were open and untreated, and that I appeared dazed and barely able to stand on my own. My pregnant wife attempted to testify at that hearing and broke down crying in pain, as her pancreas tends to make her very sick when she's stressed. The prosecutor was nice enough to hold her up as she tried to tell the judge that I couldn't have done what they accused me of, but I was still ordered to pay uh, to be held with a five hundred thousand dollar bond, which we couldn't afford to pay. After the the hearing, several people expressed concerns about my untreated injuries and poor condition. so my wife contacted a friend of ours, who's a medic in the U.S. Army, to come and see me. He just returned from a tour of duty in Iraq and came to visit me a day after the hearing. Up to that point, I'd still been unable to get medical assistance, so after he looked at my untreated injuries, heard my symptoms, and heard how I'd been treated, he got pretty upset. He told me they just uh, they treated captured Iraqi insurgents who'd just shot at his fellow soldiers better than I'd been treated here in an American jail. He was ashamed that this was how I'd been treated and told me that he was going to do what he could to make them treat my injuries. He had me fill out a medical release form and requested my medical record several times over the next two days, but was... Denied. Denied. He also contacted several doctors that he worked with in the Army who also tried to get permission to visit me or assess my condition, but the jail refused to let them visit me. They were all denied access to my records as well, even with my permission, and they were all told they were not allowed to visit me under any circumstances. However, a day after my friend's visit, they finally let me see a triage nurse who cleaned my wounds and bandaged them. During the brief examination, I was given some Band-Aids and told that I was done Even after I told them, I had trouble breathing, couldn't eat, couldn't sleep, was in a significant amount of pain, and was worried that I had a concussion. They wouldn't even give me Tylenol when I requested it, even though other prisoners in the same cell were getting narcotics for pain, and others were even getting methadone for their addictions to drugs. Later that night, I started having convulsions, and every time I would start to fall asleep, I would suffer spasms that would arch my whole head and back up off the bunk. I was really worried about my condition, but the jail would do nothing other than monitor my blood pressure and give me bandages to put on wounds myself. A reporter came to see me a day after my friend visited and told me I was facing several years in prison for assault in the first degree. It was the first time that I'd heard why I was even being held. She asked for my story, and reluctantly I told it because she said that the story she planned to write wasn't going to be very nice. After I told her everything that had happened, she seemed to find what I'd said made more sense than the contradictory police statements that existed at the time that she'd written the following, sto- the following story called in The Stranger called A Stab in the Dark, and then he links to that. Meanwhile, the public defender assigned to my case kept trying to force me to take a plea bargain. That's she, all they do. That's largely what they do. She even told my wife and my boss that I should plead guilty after she admitted that she hadn't even read my case yet. Before one of my court dates, shortly after my first week in jail, she told me the prosecutor showed her some video, and it was pretty wild. She then told me again that I should plea out, or else I was going to get 20 years in prison. See, this is how it works. This is what they want. They want people to pl- take plea bargains so they don't have to do any work. The, the defending, public defender doesn't want to actually have to take a case to court, so it makes much more sense for them to just plea out. and Probably they get some sort of bonus if they get people to plea out. Who knows what's going on behind the I scenes? I
3: wouldn't uh, speculate that, that that's the case, but I, I would speculate that they really have no. There's, you know, they, they have nothing to gain by uh, taking your case to court. Yep,
0: she's never offered to show me the video. Turned out that's the same video that eventually proved I did nothing wrong. I told her that I knew I'd be proven innocent and I'd never plead guilty for something I didn't do. That's the right answer. Every time. Yes, sir. About two weeks after I was imprisoned, a nurse and doctor actually sat down with me and let me talk about what had happened and how I'd been treated up to that point. She looked at my records and confirmed that I told what I'd told her and that what happened to me was inappropriate and she was going to write a complaint. We'll get to uh, the rest of the story here in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. Wow. Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Dial toll-free 800-259-9231. Actually, probably aren't going to be able to take control of anything in this segment because we've been spending the entire hour on a story that is very disturbing. And I think it's one of those stories that deserves to be heard. So I'm going to continue it here. Uh, just to recap briefly, a man was beaten after doing what he considered the right thing and breaking up a bar fight the bar patrons believed it was him that was actually uh, one of the fighters. They chased him out, beat, beat him senselessly, just viciously, uh, mindless mob mentality, attacking this man. The police came. They made things worse by ramming his head into various things, including concrete, uh, the car door, and just treating him like absolute trash, not allowing him to be treated by uh, medical technicians, nurses, uh, paramedics. They were not allowed to treat this guy. He had open wounds for days in jail. Uh, finally, eventually, uh, after two weeks, was able to sit down with a nurse and doctor who who had uh, allowed him to talk about what had happened he did finally get his prescription for tylenol from them and then they uh, they apparently prescription filed, for tylenol right and he filed a grievance and handed it to the guard uh, guard the next day which was what you're supposed to do but he says nothing ever came of it i'm surprised the guard didn't just crumple it up in front of him how about that Uh, A week later, he says, my bond was reduced with no argument from the prosecutors. Interestingly enough as well, they had been telling my public defender that they had problems with the case and were unwilling to take it to trial, but the public defender didn't bother to find out why. Turns out later, they had a video that showed that I didn't do what I was accused of, and this was why they didn't want to pursue the case. Everything would have ended right there if the defender would have simply asked them why they didn't want to take it to trial.
3: um, Why didn't, uh, just out of curiosity, how much, you know,
0: what's his financial situation? He couldn't get a lawyer? I uh, he does yeah I don't yeah, later on he does a lawyer up uh, he'll talk about that here in a moment. I understand that he was
3: in terrible physical condition and likely couldn't coherently put together enough thoughts to say hey get me a lawyer. But uh, you know <laughs> public defender is is not a good uh, way to go in, in a case like this. Injustice in any, any case. Honestly.
0: Injusticeeverywhere.com is his website and he is not in good financial shape today. In fact he he needs some help. So somebody that uh, wants to help him out should do that uh, on his website. So according to this, the day I was released, I was held in an office room uh, from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. without anything to eat or drink and was told I had to give a urine sample in order to get out. I attempted to do so, but I couldn't since nobody had let me have anything to drink at all during the whole day. When I was taken to the bathroom in order to give the sample, the guard who stood right next to me and kept saying, you got one minute, boy. That really works. I mean, really, standing next to somebody, telling them
3: to uh, urinate and standing there and and, 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 uh, looking looking at them and counting down, that's going to really work.
0: It was impossible to urinate in those circumstances. Even if I wasn't completely dehydrated, it would have been difficult. I was supposed to have been given three chances, but they never gave me another chance. I was returned to jail and my bond was revoked. It wasn't until almost another two weeks later... They revoked his bond because he couldn't Couldn't go pee. Because they, they allowed him to become dehydrated in jail. A full month after my arrest, and we went even further in debt to hire a real attorney, and then I was finally released on bond. A few days after my release, my attorney showed me the various statements and pictures that were part of the case against me. He told me that this was a strange case because none of the testimonies actually described me, and some even seemed to describe someone else entirely. Worse than this, he showed me now a these picture. These are the same people that kicked him to sleep on the street. And, yep. this, and it just yep. goes to show how silly
3: uh, you know, they, they, the eyewitnesses can be. They don't know what's going on, unfortunately. Especially when they're in a dark bar drinking. Yeah. Drunk.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, so it gets worse. Uh, worse than this, he showed me a picture that the police took when I was at the police station that showed some of my injuries, and he described it as something out of a horror flick. My face was covered in blood, and one of the kicks landed so hard that it left a boot print on my cheek. Can you it was imagine? the first time I saw the extent of my injuries since the jail didn't actually have any real mirrors. But worst of all was a photograph of the victim I had saved, taken of him when he was in the hospital being treated, that showed him shirtless, with a large swastika tattoo on his chest. And a German flag draped down underneath it. Oh, God. Witnesses of the attack against me had said there were racial slurs being shouted by my assailants, and I didn't believe it at first, but now it seemed possible these accusations were true as well. It became clear my attack was, at least in part, racially motivated. My skin tone is somewhat darker because of my Greek heritage, and I get confused for being Mexican or biracial quite often, but I didn't think it had anything to do with the attack until I saw that picture. It made me sick to think I went through all of this for someone like that, that my good deed saved Someone like that. Things got even stranger after I had told him I wanted to go to trial right away because I knew I'd be found innocent. He called the prosecutor later that day, and she told him she wasn't ready, and in fact, she didn't want this to go to trial. She even told him that I have serious problems with this case and couldn't take it to trial in good conscience. He told her that if that was the case, she had to drop the charges. But she said her supervisor wouldn't let her, even though she wanted to drop the case against me. How do you
2: explain that one? Maybe they're afraid of being sued.
0: So they finally uh, got their hands on the video, which showed uh, different frames. One frame showed the attack. I stopped while a different frame from a different camera showed the attacker leaving the stage area after the attack. As he was leaving, he looked almost straight at the camera as he folded his knife, put it in his pocket, then grinned widely as he walked out the front door. And so just to kind of jump ahead in the story a little bit here, they, they... Eventually did get the, uh, you know, they did get the charges dropped because the video evidence exonerated this guy. On January 5th, 2007, the charges were finally dropped. All of this began in November, uh, November 5th of 2006. So a couple of months later, finally the charges were dropped. A week later, I finally received most of my belongings that were taken from me by the police. And this was the last time I talked to the detective that was put in charge of my case. It was there that the detective admitted that they will probably never try to arrest the kid who did the crime that I was put through hell for. And why is this? Even though they knew him by name, and even though he had a previous record that included another stabbing. Well, why didn't they go after the real criminal? Well, the victim never cooperated with the police at any point was the official response. But several lawyers told me that so long as they leave the case open, they can make it harder for me to sue since all the evidence that they have could show I was innocent is also evidence being kept in an open case against someone else. What's the truth? I may never know. Eventually, when the headaches didn't go away and I still had problems with my memory, I went to the doctor to get advice. He was referred here and there and found out that uh, he had traumatic brain damage, uh, basically, from the numerous kicks to the head that he'd received. They said, the doctors, that I should have been hospitalized that night, and they feel ashamed for what others in their profession allowed to happen to me while I was in jail. But they were just following orders. I mean, the, the doctors that uh, and the, the paramedics that were examining him were trying to do their jobs, but then a man in a u- Uniform stepped in and said, "You're done." And what are they going to do? Say, "No, we insist on on uh, on, on continuing this uh, this examination." That's what they should have done. But most people are scared of men in uniforms carrying guns, so they'll follow whatever orders they're uh, they're told. Now, while the case is uh, closed against me, the police and the prosecutors refuse to go after the person who committed the crime. They also refuse to go after the people that illegally beat me so badly that night. This means that I went through all of this for nothing, actually less than nothing, since they let the guilty man walk away free for a crime I was wrongly tortured for. My defense attorney urged me to file a lawsuit, as did the reporter, and everyone has. But I would have been willing to let it all go if I just had an honest apology for the mistakes they'd made and for the way I was treated and was compensated for the money I'd lost defending myself from accusations that everyone knew were not true. Do you think you got any of that stuff? Please. I tried everything I could to get the records and the video evidence so I could show lawyers and others that I was innocent and show them what happened so I could find justice. But the police and city refused to let me have access to that information, and they threatened my lawyer to not let me have any copies of the photos and videos since the case was technically open. And revealing that information would be considered interfering with an ongoing investigation. So he couldn't get any of the information because they refused to charge this guy, the other guy with the, uh, the... the charges, and therefore could keep the case open forever so he could not have access to the information. And it ended up there wasn't even a single lawyer in Seattle that was willing to take my case against the state. He had the lawyer that helped him get out of jail, but even his lawyer that helped him get out of jail didn't want to go against the Seattle government for what they did because they're intimidated. They work for the system. The lawyers are they have an allegiance to the system. And if they start shaking the boat too much... They'll be gone after themselves, and they don't want that to
3: happen. Yeah, well, they, and their livelihood is working within the system, and the system yep. is controlled by these bureaucrats.
0: So in the end, he says, I suffered all this for nothing, for less than nothing. I was mistreated, slandered, and tortured for the crimes of another and left in debt for my trouble, all for trying to stop a fight that probably saved a person I didn't even know, and even after the police and the government knew I was wronged, they refused to make it right and have instead tried to cover up what others did to me and what they did to me. But through all this, I found out that I'm not the only innocent person who suffered abuse from the police in jail like this, and I'm not the only one who suffered the injustice of the selective prosecution and racial bias by Seattle's government and legal system. So I started this website, and he goes on to talk about his site, which at one time was injusticeseattle.blogspot.com. That is where I'm reading this from, but he's now moved on has taken it larger than just Seattle. He's gone to injusticeeverywhere.com. Send this gentleman a, a few dollars uh, to help him because he's now currently apparently under attack by the IRS and uh, I guess this, the Washington state government as well for tax things or something like that. He's got no money. I mean, he's, he's in debt because of all the, the awful things that happened to the him. The government has destroyed his life. And nobody, nobody in their system, the lawyers didn't want to help him even though it was a, a pretty obvious case of outrageousness and it, it would seem to be a, an open and shut case, but... They're just too scared because the system is too powerful. It we'll doesn't see you, work. We'll see you tomorrow night, online in the meantime, at freetalklive.com. Keep paying your taxes. Sailing.
9: Attention.